Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move related show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, Moon Knight, and all sorts of good cool. things. And joining us here to talk a little bit of Moon Knight is the one and the only writer, director, producer, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing today, sir? John, it's a glorious day in the core. I can't wait to be here today. And joining us also, and joining you guys in the live chat, he's going to be talking with you guys in there. It's Ray Aura. Ray, hey, how you doing? Hey, 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 what's up? So, hey, it's been, uh, it's been a day now since you had a chance to watch the, um, uh, the, the Halo episodes. Uh, it's still sitting good with you? Yeah. I yeah, can't, I'm looking I, forward to seeing the next Yeah, one. I'm very excited to see the next episode because of where it left off. I'm just, I just need to know where this is going. Yeah. Give it maybe one more episode or two. I think there's 10 episodes, I think. So maybe in the next episode or two, I'll, I'll see if it's worth staying up for or I'll just watch it the next day. That's right. really, that's really the debate right now. Right. Do I stay up for this? Or can I wait watch till the, the next, next day? Yeah. And a lot of the stuff is the stuff we watch. For those of you who don't know, we watched the first two episodes of Haley the other day. It's getting mixed reviews, but I kind of liked it. So we'll see where this goes. Anyway, guys, it's great to have you here joining us here today. Here's how today's show is going to go. We break the show up into two parts. In the first half of the show, we take some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we take your live comments and questions. Now, if you're watching live and only if you're watching live and you'd like to get a comment or question on the show, simply use the super chat feature in the live chat there and send that in and we'll read off uh, those once we get to the end of the show. Uh, by the way, we only have so many super chats we can take and we are already three quarters of the way full. So you probably got another minute or two before we have to shut those down. But if you want to get in a comment or question to be read by myself or Rob or sometimes both of us, but you can't watch the show live, we do a show three times a week called Mailbag. And if you want to get a question in for Mailbag for us to address, simply use the tip link that's down in the description of this video or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on Mailbag if we deem your comment or question appropriate to be used. And, of course, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time. All right, guys, a couple little things of housekeeping, of course. If you need your daily fix of the John Campy Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're commuting, you're at the gym, there is an audio-only version of the show. We simply call it the John Campy Show Podcast, and it is available on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Just search for the John Campy Show. Look at that five-star rating. And add it to your subscription list so it is there when you need it. Also, we have a brand-new podcast feed that is just for our new movie club show and uh you guys who have been joining us for movie club our latest movie club was about django unchained and how great that movie is but just go ahead and search for django unchained or django unchained search for movie club and add it to your subscription list so you can listen along as we discuss our favorite movies okay guys with all that down and out of the way let's move on to our main topics here no no not our main topics off the tops we got two off the tops and our first off the top is this now, one of the shows, obviously, we got a lot of shows we're looking forward to, a lot of movies we're looking forward to. Obviously, we're looking forward to Obi-Wan, uh, looking forward to Ms. Marvel, looking forward to Doctor Strange, looking forward to uh, Morbius and The Flash and all the other stuff that's coming. But I think it's safe to say that out of the three people in this room, <laughs> there is one piece of content coming that stands above all for one person in this room, and that would be Moon Knight. And uh, Rob is desperately looking forward to Moonlight. 
uh, Moonlight, Moon Knight, as he has been ever since they announced it over two years ago at D23. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And Moon Knight is nigh, Rob. Moon Knight is nigh. And a part of being nigh means the marketing picks up. And as a result of the marketing, a brand new clip got released. A new clip of Moon Knight got released. Now, we've seen glimpses of this clip yep. in some promo material before, but in this one, we actually get a really good look. It's that scene where we have Spectre, and for whatever reason, my phone is ringing. We have Spectre the, in the elevator, and he thinks he sees, I'm guessing it's like Conchu coming at him or something like that at some point. Scary, scary stuff. Scary stuff. Looks like Conchu's coming down the hallway at him. Turns out to be this nice, Asian lady coming in and the Asian lady freaks out. And of course it ends up with the whole bah! kind of horror movie trope sort of thing. And I'll tell you what, while there is no context to this scene whatsoever. So, I mean, maybe that's uh, a manifestation of Conchu. Maybe it's something else. I'm not nearly as well-versed on Moon Knight as you are clearly, but and maybe the lady in the elevator is significant. Maybe she's not whatever. So context, I don't know anything about the context. But this was the first real good long look at a full scene. And what really stood out to me was the cinematic nature of it. Now, some of the Disney Plus stuff, you know, is, is great and everything, but it is, and it's fine. Not everything needs to have that cinematic feel. This just had it, though. And I think for something that's going to have the tense nature of it and the, probably some of the horror aspects and the adventure aspects of it i think that cinematic feel is really adding to it and again mm. it, i don't want to jump ahead of myself because we are just talking about one clip of one scene completely out of context but i loved what i saw i think it looks great and it's only amped my excitement for moon knight rob uh, you're taking a look at it here. What did you think about this clip from Moon Knight? Well, I mean, one, it's I really like the way it was shot. You know, it reminded me of something James Wan might do in an Insidious movie. Um, you know, the idea I've been wondering, like in this show, is Khonshu real? Like at first, the first iterations of Moon Knight, it wasn't necessarily an entity. But then as the Moon Knight mythology was developed over the years, Khonshu is now an ent let's call it entity real it's out there so i'm just curious how they're going to handle it all i just john there's so many different as we've said iterations of this character i'm not quite sure there it, it looks like an amalgamation of different iterations of moon knight which i'm totally okay with i have no problem with that because moon knight's been all over the place moon knight is is, is a character that needs definition and i think that whatever this show does it will be defining moon knight moving forward and i'm excited for that and this show dude it looks like they spared no expense they have a great actor in oscar isaac one of my favorite actors working today uh front and center and i uh, everything about this show you know i'm looking forward to seeing ethan hawk uh, i it just it looks everything about the show just john i'm just excited <laughs> now and there's there's nobody we know that's as excited about this as you are so let me let me get you to put your salesman hat on for a second because you probably know and understand Moon Knight better than anybody else, either on this show right now or watching this show right now. So knowing what you know about the character, having seen the trailers you've seen, and now watching this clip, mm. and somebody comes to you and says, hey, I don't know anything about Moon Knight. Should I watch this and why? What would be your sales pitch as probably the most 
you know, the most learned of all Moon Knight fans. Like, what would be well, your pitch to them on that? Uh, right the now? funny thing is that what I would want to say probably wouldn't sell them. So if I was going to sell a layperson that didn't know anything about this, I said this is the story of a man who must find it within himself, despite his many personal uh, difficulties. He must find it within himself to overcome those difficulties, mental difficulties, and dig deep and find it within himself to triumph over the forces of adversary, both both inside his mind and in the outside world. Ooh, that's a good pitch. You like that? I like that pitch. Uh, by go. the way, one of the uh, one of the live viewers, and I'm trying to figure out who who said it. I I missed it. But one of the live viewers asking is saying like, "Will Moon Knight become an Avenger?" And that's going to be a theme of today's show. Actually, is like who is and who is not an Avenger. But there 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 are some problems with the Moon Knight character inherently that may not make him an ideal member of the Avengers. Do you see this character becoming an Avenger? Well, of course, uh, he has been an Avenger in the comics. Right. Um, you know, it really depends. It's very funny. I recently reread um, Avengers Disassembled. And when all of the former, anyone who's been a former Avenger is outside the decimated Avengers mansion, when the rest of the Avengers, the current roster comes out and they're all there to show their support, Moon Knight is there. Moon Knight is there to show support for his former teammates. I think he could very well be, but it really depends on on what they're going to do and how they define his powers. Um, because I can see a world where Moon Knight doesn't have a whole hell of a lot to offer <laughs> the MCU Avengers. But John, to be honest, I would love to see him be an Avenger. In the comics, he's been both a, an East and West Coast Avenger, so I hope so. But it really depends how they're going to define him within the MCU. Right. Well, question is for you guys. Did you have a chance to see this new clip for Moon Knight? I think it looks great. Rob is excited about it. What are you guys feeling about it right now? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Oh, by the way, side note, I, I forgot to mention off the top. Some people might be wondering, where's Chris? Well, three guesses, guys. Chris Carr's car let her down again. Uh, but she's we, getting a new car. But she is getting a new car. She's supposed to take delivery already, so she's going to be getting it soon. But that's Chris sends her uh, her apologies that she couldn't be here. All right, guys. With that down, let's do one more off the top, and that is this. Speaking of characters in the MCU, one who a lot of people have been waiting for, and of course is now on Disney Plus, at least in their old rerun shows, is Daredevil. Now, of course, we saw Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil. He showed up in Spider-Man No Way Home. We expect we're probably going to see him pop up in some other things sometime soon. You don't bring him in just to do that one little one shot. So there's been some discussion and speculation of will they just have, you know, Matt Murdock as Daredevil pop up here and there? Or do we think we will actually get them relaunching it? Maybe even do a Daredevil season four. Maybe, Rob, as you've kind of speculated a true full feature film for daredevil that most of us feel that he kind of deserves so what are they going to do with it well there's a report going around today and we cannot 100 percent confirm that this is true but it is coming from a fairly reasonable reliable source that daredevil is coming back and they're terming it 
a reboot, that a Daredevil reboot is on the way. Now, this comes just from the folks over at CBR who write, write the following. Uh, there still might be life in Daredevil as Marvel Studios is reportedly working on a reboot of the Blood series. According to the latest issue of Production Weekly, a trustworthy industry publication dedicated to films and series that are about to be, begin production, Marvel Studios has a listing for a project simply described as Daredevil Reboot. The entry is filed alongside a plethora of projects already confirmed to be in development, including Deadpool 3, Madam Web, Craven the Hunter, and the, and the DCU movie Blue Beetle. There's currently no word yet on when fans can expect to see the Devil of Hell's Kitchen return to the MCU. All right, so on the one hand, very exciting. People are going to be pretty stoked to hear about this. It's, it's done. They're not just going to use... Matt Murdock as a recurring character here and there popping around, although that would have been fun too. But he's getting his own series, but again, referring to it as not a continuation, not season four. They're referring to it as a reboot. Now, Rob, recently you and I were talking about the fact that Charlie Cox gave some comments on whether he thought you know, where Daredevil goes, and, and, and his comments were, this isn't really the same Daredevil. Um, I can't remember the exact wording he used that made us go, well, okay, it's it's kind of sounding like this is going to be a very similar Daredevil to the one we had, like extremely similar to the one we had in Netflix, but it's not exactly the same one. It, it's it's rather different. At least that's what Matt, Matt Murdock, that's what Charlie Cox made it sound like. Now, following that, we have terminology being used that this is a Daredevil reboot. A relaunch. Now, it is just a word. And it is a word. I mean, it, it just could just be semantics, right? It is theoretically possible that this is indeed Daredevil season four. But since it's on a new network and they're just getting it going again, that they use the word reboot. That's possible. So I, I don't want to discount that. Again, to me, though... When you couple this with the comments we heard from Charlie Cox recently, coupled with the obvious differences we've seen in Kingpin to, to now and, and whatever, I, to me, this seems like another nail in the table they're building that is that this is a different Daredevil, an extremely similar Daredevil, a variant Daredevil, the daredevil of universe 469-bxq or whatever they want to call it but this isn't the exact same guy at least to me this seems to just enforce that even a little bit more notwithstanding it could just be terminology anyway rob number one how are you feeling that it sounds like according to production weekly they're giving us dedicated daredevil content uh, which to me is very exciting i want to know how you feel about that and do you think the terminology of them using the word reboot speaks to anything one way or the other in general how are you seeing this well you know it's tough i mean i the funny thing about rebooting daredevil to me is they've they've the first three seasons or the three seasons of the netflix series really delved into a lot of daredevil mythology kingpin electra the hand those kinds of things and those are those are like very intrinsic to daredevil my question would be if they go back in and reboot Daredevil but keep Charlie Cox, would they revisit those elements? Or would they move forward deeper into the Daredevil mythology? Like, would they do an adaptation of Daredevil Assassin, for instance, or elect, pardon me, 
Electra Assassin, <laughs> but would they call it Daredevil Assassin, which is a great Frank Miller, Bill Sienkiewicz graphic novel. Um, would they do something like that? I, I don't know, but they're keeping Charlie Cox. So my thought is that even if it's a reboot or whatever they're going to call it, and I think they're calling it a reboot because it's a new show. Like what else are they, they don't have a title for it. So they're just calling it that. I, I think they might keep to a certain extent what that, what has come before, because it is beloved. You know, people really like the show. I thought daredevil was for the most part, a very successful series. They bought, they brought Wilson Fisk back. And I think maybe if anything, they'll, they'll call it a loose continuity. But look, man, I just look forward to seeing Daredevil interact. I loved seeing Daredevil in No Way Home, or at least Matt Murdock. Loved it. And I would love to see more uh, of Daredevil in the MCU. I'd love to see him interact with all of the heroes that we've already met. I'd love to see him interact with Moon Knight. I'd love to see him interact with Spider-Man. Uh, so, you know, my, my first thought is that there will be a loose continuity between what's already come before. They will pick and choose what they want to make as continuity, but it'll be loose and they'll just move from there. And of course, another way of saying loose is that it's different. It's, I mean, it's like, it's like saying somebody's sort of pregnant. You're either well, pregnant or you're not. The it's either is, the same or it's, it's not the same. But it's still the same actor. Yeah. So, well, there, yeah. You know, so there's gotta be, there, it's, you can't entirely disassociate yourself from what came before. No, see, that's why, that's why I think in this relaunching of it, I think there's going to be many similarities. Yeah. I think many similarities, but many similarities is not same. Right. Um, just as there are many similarities between cer certain variants of the Loki character were very, very similar, but they weren't same. So like I, it, like the moment we find out that this daredevil doesn't have Karen or that this daredevil has a new foggy, or this daredevil has not yet met Electra. Like everything else can be extremely similar, yep. but that is but that is Marvel telling us it's not the same, which means they can have the creative freedom to do whatever. Like they can give us a new stick, they can give us a new Electra, they can give us new costume, a new a new costume, a new story of the hand that contradicts maybe old. Well, stuff. you know how I feel about that, John. And anything nothing, with ninjas, any, anything can be made better with ninjas. And, and I don't think they're going to let us down on that. No. And I look, I want a Daredevil movie. We've had one I before. Agree. I agree. I agree. We had one before, and I think the director's cut of the Mark Steven Johnson Daredevil isn't bad. I mean, I don't like all the CG in it because I wish they'd shot it on, like, the streets of Hell's Kitchen. Of course, Hell's Kitchen isn't the Hell's Kitchen it used to be anymore. Yeah. But, you know, shoot it on the city streets. Um I would love to see another Daredevil movie. I think Daredevil, Daredevil, Daredevil is an integral character in the MCU, even though it's not it's not thought of. He's not thought of as a top tier character. When I was reading comics, uh, a lot of the MCU stuff, especially in the eighties, Daredevil was one of my top picks to read. As soon as I, I'd read a new issue of Daredevil as soon as it came out, and I think there's a lot of good to be mined there that they've only scratched the surface of. And I, I completely agree with you on the whole movie thing like i think it's clear they're gonna go series i think they're gonna go series. i think so too. i would love to see him instead they'll get the movie for a couple of reasons number one there's more prestige and honor to yeah. having your own feature film two there's more money to be made but three is this there's there's a big misunderstanding amongst fans today that oh the marvel shows spend just as much money on the shows as they do on the movies and that's not true that's not even remotely true 
said, but John, I heard on this series, they spent $150 million. That's practically as much as a lot of Marvel films. Sure. $150 million, though, spread out over seven hours is very, very, very different from $150 million spread over two hours. You got to look at it in terms for production value and the amount of money going into every minute of production. And when you look at how much money is going into every minute of production, the movies still get double or triple the amount of, of money that the TV shows do. It, it doesn't matter how you try to cut it. Now, uh, Amazon's Lord of the Rings show may, may be different. That might be the one exception to all this. But yeah, it's very, so that's another reason. I would love to see Daredevil, like what they did on Netflix with a relatively modest budget for superhero content stuff was wonderful. Yeah. But God, I'd love to see this Daredevil in a two hour and 10 minute movie with a $190 million budget. Can you imagine what that could look like yeah. visually? I, what, I would what, he, what kind of shenanigans he'd get up to? And you know what that means, John, if it had a $190 million budget? Hot toys. More ninjas. And more ninjas. More <laughs> ninjas. You know, we were going to have 80 ninjas, but we got the money for an extra 200 extras in there. 280 ninjas. And of course, that I mean, quantifiably, objectively, makes and, the movie better. And, you know, you have Shang-Chi's sister out there with the Ten Rings oh, organization. Come on, man. Daredevil takes on the Ten Rings. Maybe has a romance with Shang-Chi's sister. Oh, yes. By the way, everybody assumes that the ending of Shang-Chi meant she was going back. I don't think that was necessary that she was going bad. I think she was just taking over the Ten Rings. Yeah, she's going to do something new and different. Yes, I'm excited about that. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this news? Production Weekly is saying there is a Daredevil reboot coming, and they're getting ready to ramp up production on that. To me, that's very exciting. Yeah, I'd rather see a movie, but hey, I'll take this. This sounds great. By the way, what do you think about this? Combined with what Charlie Cox said recently about he doesn't really see this as the same and whatever, but would you think the word reboot means something? Maybe it means nothing. However you guys see it, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of today's video, Peloton. Now listen, in the never-ending quest to try to stay in shape, one of the keys is to vary up your workout and your exercises to make sure you avoid losing your motivation and keep from getting burnt out from doing the same thing over and over again. Peloton has you covered. I know for me, one of the keys was getting my Peloton tread and using the Peloton app to get my varied workouts in. And Peloton just keeps pushing you forward with new classes, new music, new ways to keep your workouts fun and motivating. One of the newer offerings that has me personally really excited is their boxing classes. Peloton is stepping into the ring with its newest discipline and you don't even have to have any gloves. Discover a fast, furious and fun workout with Peloton instructors in your corner. Even if you've never boxed before, these classes will have you working up a sweat while working on the fundamentals of form, footwork and fun combos that will keep you on your toes. Peloton has a workout for every day and every kind of schedule. So guys, right now, visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. That's O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. And thank you to Peloton for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys. With that down, let's get into our main topics here, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on the John Campia Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just 
Go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. That down? Let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Aaron A., who writes... So, I guess it looks like a done deal now. Variety is saying that MGM is now the complete property of Amazon. I thought I remember them saying before that the sale probably wouldn't go through because they wouldn't get government approval or something. Guess they got it anyway. My question is, does this merger tell us anything about Amazon's future plans or how seriously they're taking the entertainment game? Thanks. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Aaron. And... Yeah, we remember a while ago when we found out that MGM said they were going up for sale. And then word came out that Amazon was kind of the front horse to take that over. We all thought that was a very interesting choice. Number one, not just because of the money that Amazon has behind it, but the fact that it kind of showed that Amazon was like all in on this whole idea of entertainment. Yeah, Like they've gone from just selling books to selling me all of my computer stuff to now they're selling me all of my entertainment as well. Solar panels too. And my solar panels that now run this entire studio. I'm very happy about that. By the way, I'm going to make a video about that soon, about how I put together a little system that now the studio all runs on solar. But anyway, we'll talk about that another time. So now they are getting right into it. And yes, apparently the, the big antitrust commission in the UK has given their stamp of approval uh, unreservedly. They had no objections. Everything was like, yep, this is all good. Now, there is still the, what's it called in the, the FTC? No, the F. Yeah, the FTC, the, the Federal FTC, Trade Commission. Yeah, the Federal Trade Commission here still hasn't given their official sign-off of it, but they haven't filed any grievances about it either. So Amazon said, well, we're going to give it to this date. You haven't filed anything against us? Great, we're completing the deal. And they've now completed it, and MGM is now the home of James Bond and a lot of other things. This comes to us from the folks over at Variety write the following. Amazon has closed its six point or eight point five billion dollar acquisition of MGM first that MGM first announced last May. The company said Thursday. Per Amazon, the storied, nearly century-old studio with more than four thousand film titles, seventeen thousand TV episodes, one hundred and eighty Academy Awards, and one hundred Emmy Awards will complement Prime Video and Amazon Studios' work in delivering a diverse offering of entertainment choices to customers. MGM's film catalog includes, listen to this, Twelve Angry Men, Basic Instinct, Creed, and Rocky, Legally Blonde, Moonstruck, Poltergeist. Raging Bull, RoboCop, Science of the Lamb, Stargate, Themel and Louise, Tomb Raider, The Magnificent Seven, The Pink Panther, The Thomas Crown Affair, and of course, the crown jewel in all of this, the James Bond series. On the TV front, the studio has produced, I didn't know this, Fargo, Handmaid's Tale, and Vikings also came to us from MGM. And that comes to us from the folks over at Variety. All right. This is incredibly interesting uh, on a number of fronts. Let's go to what they were asking in the question. Like, what does this tell us about Amazon's commitment to or, you know, overall feeling towards their, enemy, their, their overall entertainment stuff? To me, this is obvious. This is all in. It's not just the $8.5 billion. 
Because yes, although Amazon is an incredibly cash-rich company, uh, right up there, maybe even exceeding Apple, but at least right up there with Apple. Sure. There's no more cash-rich companies in the world than those two. So 8.5 is still a lot of money. 8.5 billion is still a lot of money. But here's the key. The key is they bought all this IP. Yes, they now have a tremendous library of content. And the library of content is impressive. But what is more the case here is as we read through all of those various, you know, titles, whether it's Rocky, whether it's, um, you know, Rocky, Creed, 12 Angry Men, Tomb Raider, what have you, all of that stuff is IP that they now have access to directly. This isn't just about acquiring past content, although acquiring that much past content to be at some point, there's leases that still have to be expired, but at some point it will be exclusive to your streaming network. There comes with it a treasure trove of IP that you can make future content with. And honestly, Rob, I think that was the main value here for Amazon. Yes, it adds to an incredible catalog. Yes, you're going to have some very prestigious exclusives, especially the James Bond franchise will at some point be exclusive to Amazon. But I think the main thing here they're interested in was looking down the road and what they can produce and what they can make later on. Not to mention just acquiring the talent of MGM to now come in and be a part of Amazon Studios, which is still a fledgling kind of relatively new thing. So there's a lot of upside here for Amazon. Rob, we've been talking about this deal for a while. Obviously, the home of your beloved James Bond and everything. Now that it looks like the deal's complete, what do you think the big ramifications are for Amazon? And and how do you feel this is a deal, good or bad? Three words, John. Basic instinct three. No, um, uh, even though I've got an idea. Uh, What I think is really interesting about what they're doing is on one hand, what this is really all about is bringing people to Amazon to use all of their other services, basically buying stuff. It's to drive Amazon Prime memberships. You have one. I have one. I think everybody who uses Amazon all the time has a Prime membership. And Prime memberships are like gym memberships. If you order a lot of stuff from Amazon and watch a lot of their content, they're great. But I think a lot of people who get Amazon Prime don't use them as much, and it's found money for Amazon. They're making huge money off their Prime service, and they can offer this great entertainment. So for them... It's it's a win all the way around because they're getting exclusive content you can't get anywhere else. And that's why you get Amazon Prime, in addition to getting shipping for all the stuff we buy, because you and I buy a lot of stuff from Amazon. But ultimately, what I also like about this is the legacy of MG- MGM is, is like a battered wife when it comes to movie studios. It's had some of its catalog has been sold and Turner classic movies and what Turner did in the 80s and a lot of their great catalog titles were sold to Warner Brothers and there's been craziness that's happened to poor MGM over the years. I, in a way, see as somebody who loves Hollywood history, I hope MGM uh, has its luster. I, I, I love their logo. I would like to see Amazon resurrect MGM as a powerhouse studio. Now, I don't know if they're going to release things theatrically, but I'd certainly like to see Amazon take MGM and put put it back and give it the kind of Hollywood legacy that it has always had, but sort of it's 
it's kind of a, an also ran lately as far as studios go. So I hope, I don't know if they're going to still do things under Amazon Studios or if MGM is going to be called an Amazon Studios company, but I'd like to see MGM have a new renaissance moving in, uh, further into the 21st century and making great movies and seeing that logo appear on the front of, of you know, more great movies and television for the next century. See, this is one of the things that excites me about the Amazon acquisitions that Amazon has shown they love putting, if they think they've got a movie that's worth it, they love putting their movies theatrically. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that was really exciting to me about that. By the way, Apple is looking like they're taking that approach too. I mean, they've got the new Marty Scorsese movie they've got coming out, Killers of the Flower Moon. That's going to be getting theatrical release. Amazon seems pretty committed to putting their films not just direct to streaming, but they'll eventually end up being on streaming. And of course, they do make some movies. A bunch of their movies are sure. exclusive. But the ones that they really think they have something... They put out theatrically, and I really like that, too. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this? MGM is now owned by Amazon. It's done. It's official. Do you think this is a good thing, bad thing? I think it's kind of exciting. I think it's going to breathe some life into the studio, into MGM, and it gives a lot of value to Amazon at the same time. Maybe you see things differently. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down... Let's move on to main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Mr. Mister. And Mr. Mister writes, Hey, John and team. Hope everyone's having a great day. We are so far. Thank you. Euphoria star Sydney Sweeney has now joined the Madam Web movie, making her the second person alongside Dakota Johnson to be confirmed to star in the film. I am personally quite a big fan of Sydney Sweeney, so her joining Madam Web has made my day just a bit better. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Thanks, and bring on the filthy. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And my heart automatically connects with Sydney's because her very first acting gig, I believe, was in one of my favorite shows ever, Heroes. She play, I think it was an uncredited, like she just played a little girl in Heroes. <laughs> but this girl who everybody now knows from Euphoria, right? Because she's done such a huge job on Euphoria. She's been great, gotten a lot of attention and a lot of buzz. Of course, Zendaya steals most of the spotlight because she's Zendaya, but Sydney Sweeney has gotten a lot of attention for her role in this, and people are taking notice of her. But she has very quietly, Rob, she's not like some one-hit wonder. She's very quietly over the last number of years been amassing an incredibly impressive resume. And now she can add a superhero movie to that resume. This comes to us from the folks over at Screen Rant write the following. It's fitting that Sweeney will be taking part in a new superhero film, though, as her first acting role, I was just talking about this, as her first acting role was in the hit show Heroes. A somewhat underrated talent until recently, Sweeney has amassed a wealth of credits to her name after only being in the business for a little more than a decade. Going from small parts to the main ensemble in 2018's Everything Sucks, recurring roles in the highly acclaimed series uh, soon followed, including The Handmaid's Tale, which she was amazing in, and Sharp Objects. But it was HBO's Euphoria that displayed Sweeney's incredible emotional range as Cassie Howard, and her force of talent was further solidified by playing Olivia Mossbacher. I'm never, I'm sure I'm not saying it right. Mossbacher in The White Lotus. Of course, everybody was in The White Lotus, and Aaron loves that show. Loves that show. And that, again, comes to us from Screen Rant. So... We already found out that Dakota Johnson was going to be starring in this thing, which was very exciting. Exciting, Rob, and a little bit questioning. 
because you know the the traditional images of Madam Web don't look like Dakota Johnson. A little older. Eh, they're going a little. They're taking a little bit of creative liberty here. That's all right. Maybe uh, <laughs> younger up a little bit, but I don't know. So we'll, we'll see. But look, one of the things I've always said, and I continue to say, is it is never a mistake to add talent. They did that with Dakota Johnson, and they're doing it here with Sydney Sweeney. This girl has shown very early in her career. Like I said, she has very quietly started to amass a very impressive resume. I think this could be the type of film that really puts her on a lot of people's radars. At least, I mean, look, there's already a lot of people who watch White Lotus, Euphoria, things like that, uh, Handmaid's Tale, but this could be the one that gives her name recognizability, right? At least one can hope. Rob, you hear about this. You see they're adding more talent here. The, the production is moving. I mean, we've got movement now coming from Sony on. We're a lot of movement coming on Craven the Hunter lately. Now we've got a lot of movement coming on Madam Web. What do you think about the addition? What do you think about her specifically? Well, first of all, I, I think she's, you know, there's, there's, it's nice to see up and coming talent, like, work their way up the talent ladder. You know, because a lot of our favorite actors, I mean, if you think about I remember seeing Tom Cruise in 1983 being in Risky Business. That's a star-making turn for him, and now we're watching him in Top Gun Maverick almost 40 years later. Now, when you see young actors who've been in the business since they were very young, working their way up, doing great work in shows like Euphoria, getting a job on a big movie like this, part of, I guess, Sony's most important franchise now, I think it's a great thing for her. And it's also a vote of confidence in terms of her talent. You know, they don't just cast up and comers in these roles if they're not great. So I think this is a real uh, vote of confidence for her. And, um, you know, John, this movie's getting more and more interesting to me. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't I wasn't like, I mean, Morbius, I understand. Craven the Hunter, I get. But Madam Web isn't exactly, she's not a character that can run around the city and be like really proactive. She can do really interesting stuff. But now they're going a different way with this, and I'm fascinated to see what they do. I'm really curious now about what they're doing with this movie. Let me ask you this. Madam Webb, I mean, look, Craven the Hunter, the average film fan might have heard of him, might have heard of him. Morbius, the average film fan may have heard of him. They're fairly well known to the to the comic book faithful, though, which are small. But even percentage. if they're not, you kind of get what they are. Yeah, like you, Morbius you, is a vampire, and yeah, Raven the Hunter it. is like a dangerous terrorist a villain. Madam Web, I I mean, you and I always thought that this was a very interesting choice for them to do because not only has nobody in the general movie going audience ever heard of her. You'd find a lot of comic book faithful who probably are pretty iffy on who she is as well. And her her powers and things that she can do. Doesn't exactly scream their own feature film. No, but it's interesting the tie-ins to things like Across the Spider-Verse, Multiverse stuff. I mean, I can't help but think reality. It's all very interesting. Do you? How do you think the general audience is going to respond to this, though? I mean, I've, on just name power alone, zero. And they're obviously going to have, they're just casting Dakota Johnson. They're obviously doing some adaptation here, clearly. But I'm Maybe expecting. Maybe it's 50 Shades of the Spider-Verse. 50 Shades of the Spider-Verse. But also, Coming I mean. by web. They're probably also going to probably have to do some adaptation about what her powers are. Because totally. Because at the end of the day, this is a comic book movie. You're going to have to have action. Look, Madam Web has always been a supporting character that 
that really fills one or two functions that yeah. other heroes can come and take advantage of. But I obviously she's going to become some kind of action hero in here too. But do you think this is something that the audience may respond to? Well, I think you know, as I've always said, if it's good, I I don't know where they're going. But even the even that is that an official uh, logo that you have up there on the screen? No, no, it's not. No, I don't think so. Oh, it's not because I was like, I like that logo. That's cool. I mean, maybe it, it depends what they're doing, John. But I could see them, I could see them changing this around. Clearly, they have a they have a, a storyline. They they know what they want to do, and I think that somebody probably came to them with a pretty strong idea that they put forward. So. I would assume that they could move forward on anything in the Spider-Verse, and they've decided to move forward on Madam Web, which leads me to believe that they have something that they believe in. So I'm sure whatever take that they've come up with for this movie is probably going to be pretty cool. I would assume so. I don't know what that is, but I think when we see a trailer for it and whatever we find, I think it's going to be at least pretty damn compelling. It would have to be to move forward with a Madam Web movie, because otherwise, why do it? I mean, that's the one exciting thing, right? Is that clearly they made the decision to greenlight this movie not based on this is a super popular character. It had to have been based on nothing short of somebody came to them with a great story. A great idea. pitch. So here's hoping. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this new casting for Madam Web? Where are your expectation levels for Madam Web in general? Does this casting increase your excitement? Does it do nothing for it? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets sent to us by Shahan. And Shahan writes, Hey, John and crew. Netflix is launching a test in certain countries that would make subscribers pay an extra fee if they have to share their password with someone outside of their household. With Netflix, we often take the highest plan and share it among a group of us and split the cost. What do you make of this move? Is it justified or would it further delete or would it further deter new and existing subscribers away? Lots of love from India. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Shahan. And uh, yeah, this is a day that has been coming for a long time and we've been talking about for a while because for the last couple of years, there's been a lot of whispering amongst the streaming services, particularly Netflix and a couple of others of we are going to start to crack down on something we have turned a blind eye to for a while, which is the practice of sharing passwords, right? For a long time, even though the terms of service says you can't share your passwords around people outside your household, they have generally ignored it, as have other streaming services. But about a year or two ago, Netflix says we are going to start investigating and looking into cracking down on that, and they have been starting to introduce some ways that they can do it. Now, as the person writing in has pointed out, they're introducing in three countries that they will charge you if you are the account holder, if you start letting other people <laughs> use your thing. And they're giving you an option to opt a friend who lives somewhere else in. This comes to us from the folks over at Variety. They write the following. And this is being spoken by one of the Netflix reps. We've always made it easy for people who live together to share their Netflix account with features like separate profiles and multiple streams and our standard and previous and premium plans, Long wrote in a blog post about the test. 
While these have been hugely popular, they have also created some confusion about when and how Netflix can be shared. As a result, accounts are being shared between households, impacting our ability to invest in great new TV and films for our members. With the add an extra member feature, members with Netflix standard and premium plans will be able to add subsidiary accounts for up to two people that they don't live with, each with their own profile, personalized recommendations, login, and password for less than the cost of a separate Netflix plan. Okay, so basically the gist is this. You try to share your network, your net. Netflix password with somebody who doesn't live in your house, they're going to catch you now. <laughs> and they're going to offer you the opportunity. The Netflix hey. police are here, John. Yeah. Like, let's <laughs> say Ray, who, who you know, yeah, Ray, you know, <laughs> Ray doesn't take my passwords. He just comes over and watches my TV. Yeah. But let's say I wanted to share my, my Netflix password with Ray and he's at home. He tries to log in. He's going to get like an error message. And I'm going to get a notification that says so and so and so and so. But hey, if you'd like to add Ray to your plan, you can. Now in you the can, John. You really can. <laughs> you can with all your accounts. <laughs> with all my accounts. Going over to Ray or let's test it out. <laughs> yeah, John, it's just responsible that we test this for the viewers. We got to test this out ourselves. Then here's the idea. The idea is, at least in the three countries they're they're doing it in, and one of them is Chile. It's going to be three bucks, three dollars, American, which is significantly cheaper than making them get their own Netflix plan, and it's going to be three extra dollars. And they say you could do this with up to two people. They don't want you to abuse it, because right now, the reality is, one person could subscribe to Netflix, and then I could get on Twitter, say, "Hey, everybody, Netflix for everybody. Here's my password." Boom, and the world has Netflix, right? And Netflix goes broke. Uh, that's hyperbole, obviously, but you get the gist. So they're looking for ways to do this. Now, look, I have already heard the angry backlash from people saying, no, this isn't fair. And look, I'm sorry, I'll be the one to say the unpopular thing. Yes, it fucking is. <laughs> yes, it is fair. The terms and agreements of Netflix have always been clear. You are getting a Netflix membership for you and your household. And we have never supposed to have been sharing passwords. That's that's like, it's, it's just something we've never supposed to have been able to do. Netflix isn't introducing any new rules here. Netflix is simply saying, hey, the rules we've always had in place, we're actually going to start enforcing those rules. And forgive us. If you want to use our service, you got to pay for the service. <gasps> Oh, no. I mean, like, this isn't some foreign idea. Netflix spends billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars every year. Most years at a loss. Let's not forget that. Most years in their existence have been operating at a loss. They spend billions of dollars of creating a service and create and providing content. And say so you can have this content at an extremely good value of like 15 bucks a month. When you consider how much people watch Netflix... $15 a month? Are you kidding me? That's a good value proposition. And now they're saying, yeah, you can't just share it around with people. You can't just give away our service to other people for free. That's all Netflix is saying here. You can't just give our service away that we have spent 
a decade and more spending untold billions of dollars making. You can't just give our stuff away for free. Nope. But we will make it easier. And instead of making Ray pay $15 a month for Netflix, <laughs> he can become one of my extension accounts. And I just pay an extra three bucks a month. That's a pretty fair deal. And I know I get it. All of us, including me, our first reaction is screw the man, whoever the man is in that particular situation. In this situation, it's Netflix. But the reality is this is actually, number one, fair. And number two, they're offering a pretty good deal. So now if Rob and Ray both didn't have Netflix, but they want to, instead of having to spend 30 bucks between them to each have Netflix, now it's just six extra bucks. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, I know the popular thing is, I know what other YouTubers will do. Other YouTubers are going to say the popular thing. Oh, yeah, oh, screw Netflix for doing that. Oh, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The reality is this is fair, and it's a pretty good deal that they're offering. And I know a lot of people won't feel that way because a lot of pe everybody wants everything for free. So do I. I want everything for free. I totally do. But I, I think this is not irrational of Netflix. And quite frankly, I think it's amazing they've waited this long to start to crack down on this stuff. And I, I expect we'll see other streaming services start to follow suit. Anyway, Rob, you know, we've been talking about this for a couple of years now. Netflix has been warning. We're going we're gonna to come up with ways and implement ways that will stop you giving our stuff away for free. It looks like they're now actually testing a way to do it, but to give us an opportunity to let other friends use it for a much cheaper price. I don't know. Overall, how do you see this? I feel exactly the way you do, John. I mean, it's first of all, let's let's call a spade a spade. It's straight up stealing. We, we have institutionalized theft when it comes to sharing our passwords with our friends and family or whatever. Say what you want. But Netflix is spending billions of dollars. They have one product, which is their content. They expect their one product is bought by the consumers who pay a subscription subscription price every month. That's how they make their money, period. And if somebody isn't paying their subscription price and watching their content, they're losing money. They're having their products stolen as sure as if you went to the supermarket and uh, or the drugstore like a Walgreens in San Francisco because it's decriminalized. You can't get away with it, but you shouldn't be able to. You shouldn't be able to steal. And I think that what they're offering is like, look, if you are, come from a family of like four kids and your parents want to make sure you have a Netflix subscription and you're all going off to college or whatever, your parents can pay three bucks a month more for each one of you. That's more than fair. Netflix, why should they give somebody a discount at all is beyond me. I wouldn't. You know, I understand why they're doing it, but I wouldn't. I'd be like, look, man, that's how much our subscription price costs. When you go to a movie, man, John, you don't go, hey, if I pay an extra three bucks, can I bring a friend of mine in? No, everybody has to buy a ticket. And think about it. Movie tickets are like 15 bucks to see one movie. Netflix has tens of thousands of hours of programming for that same 15 bucks. Everybody should have to pay for their service. But the fact that they're allowing you to get other friends and family onto the program or onto their subscription service for three bucks, that's a bargain. I can't even get a double Jameson Rocks for less than four times that. By the way, so here is a, a, a little bit of a chart breakdown. So the three countries they're going to try spinning this out in is Peru, Costa Rica, and Chile. And roughly it breaks down to about $3 a month. Now, that's not saying that that will be the price here in the U.S. It might be. 
I assume it probably would be about three bucks. Why those countries? I, that's a very good question. I don't know. But they just had to pick three random countries, smaller countries. And Are to, they the to biggest test it Netflix out, users per capita? I mean, I don't know. Costa Rica. It's just a test, though. It is just a test. And by the way, there's a possibility they don't roll this out. But look, I'm reading some people in the live chat are saying, like, well, then they should lower the price of Netflix. They're not taking away anything from you. They're simply saying... You can't give our stuff away for free, which is something you've never supposed to have been allowed to do anyway. Right. We have. We're yes. the thieves. Yes. We're the thieves. And what Netflix is saying is that we acknowledge that you're thieves. You're stealing from us. And we're going to make it. We're going to we're going to allow you to use our service and 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 steal less. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what they're that's what they're saying is that we're allowing we're giving you a bargain because you thieves are stealing from us. It's pretty amazing. They're even they're rewarding criminal behavior, really. <laughs> well, they're monetizing our criminal behavior. I, I think it's a nice extension, though, because it is because it allows them for a couple things. By the way, by allowing the extension people, like if I if I did get this and, and signed up Ray as one of the extended people, right? The fact that he gets his own profile, his own recommendations list and all that kind of stuff. One of the other things it says was that if they then decide to get their own full Netflix account, that all transfers over. So if Ray has built up this, this library and all the stuff that he likes watching and these lists that he has, then that will all just transfer over. So on the one hand, it's also a good marketing move because if Ray does decide to get his own thing, it's, it's taken away one of the obstacles of restarting over again, because you can just transfer it over. And it gives the account holder the ability to share with a couple more people at a much, much, much lower cost. I mean, I'd say Netflix is being pretty magnanimous, magnanimous about this whole thing. Good for them. I agree. But like, you know what it is. You know how it is, though, Rob. A lot of people who just believe I deserve to get everything for free are going to be very upset about this. And remember, I want us to be very they've clear. They've never about, made or tried to sell a movie. Yeah, they've never made or tried to sell a movie. Ask John Schnepp about that. But... You got to remember here, all Netflix is saying is we don't want you to give our stuff away for free to other people that didn't sign up for our service. At the end of the day, if you're going to argue against what Netflix is doing here, you have to make the argument that, no, we should be able to give Netflix's stuff away for free that to people who didn't pay for it. And there is no argument for that. No. There's just none. So this, I... I want everything for free too, but considering I don't give my password out to anybody, it's not going to increase my prices, so I'm perfectly good with it. I don't know. Guys, question is for you. What do you think about this move by Netflix? Do you think it's a greedy move? Do you think this is just them trying to get more money from people? Do you think more rationally? It's like, hey, they're just telling people you can't have our service for free, our, our services to be paid for. I don't know. How do you guys see it? Whatever you guys are feeling, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your Thoughts. Guys, we want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this video, Policy Genius. Life insurance can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, your loved ones would have a financial cushion for rent or mortgage payments, loans, education costs, and everyday expenses. Policy Genius is your one stop shop to find and buy the insurance that you need. 
You can click in the description or head to policygenius.com slash Campia and answer a few questions. In just a few minutes, you can compare personalized quotes from top companies to find your lowest price. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius because the team of licensed experts at Policy Genius will help you understand your options and apply for the policy that you choose. The Policy Genius team works for you, not for the insurance companies. You can trust them to offer unbiased help and advocate for you at every step until you're covered. And to make things even better, Policy Genius doesn't add on extra fees, they don't sell your info to third parties, and Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews across Google and Trustpilot. So right now, head to policygenius.com slash campia to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. And a special thank you to Policy Genius for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number four. And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by an anonymous viewer who writes, good afternoon, John and team. I think the Disney Plus show I've most been looking forward to uh, is Andor. I like the way you describe it as seeing the part of the rebellion that has, has to get its hands dirty. They've been saying they're going to release it in November, but I just saw a report that said it could be coming as early as August uh, now, which is just five months away. Do you think we'll get this show early and how excited are you for this show? All right. Thanks a lot for sending this in, man. And yeah, listen, I remember I was quite fascinated when they announced that they were doing an Andor show primarily because the thing I loved about that character was he represented a side of the rebellion in Star Wars that we had never seen. We talk about the rebellion, all oh, these brave freedom fighters, and, and, and yes, that's what the rebellion is. But if you're going to have a rebellion, some dirty things are going to need to be done. Some things, some people are going to have to get their hands dirty. Blood's going to be spilled. And that is an aspect of the rebellion that other than getting a quick shade of Saw Guerrero, we never really got to see. And with Cassian Andor in Rogue One, we got to see a little bit of that. He had to be ruthless. And in some things we think, well, that's not what a good guy would do. When you're doing a rebellion, you're going to need the people that sometimes has to do the things you don't want to shine a light on. And I thought the idea of doing a Star Wars show, and I'm always asking for Star Wars to expand their galaxy a bit here, to do a show that looks at that side of things, I thought was really fascinating. Now, the one big thing going against Andor in my own head has been the fact, man, I'm not a huge guy in going backwards in our storytelling and doing prequel stuff, especially when we know exactly how it ends. And if you've watched Rogue One, you know how Cassian Andor meets his end. On the beach, John. On the beach. On the beach. What could be better? A beach, a beautiful, very bright sunset. With a lovely lady. With a beautiful girl. How better, what a better way to spend your day, even if it's your last day. But again, we know there are no future adventures of Cassian Andor. We know there's no future, you know, bonkers, misadventures of k2so and his buddy cassian <laughs> we know this because not long after the events of the show he dies both <gasps> die spoiler alert spoiler alert so i've always had that kind of 
duality in my head. But still, overall, the idea of watching a show like this, looking at the, the darker side of the rebellion, had me excited. And you're right. We've, they've always been very vague about where it's coming. They've often then used phrases like quarter four, which probably means December or November. Then some reports came out saying November. But now it sounds like they may be moving this thing all the way up to August. And it could be coming out then. This comes to us from the folks. Oop, wrong one. Sorry about that. This comes to us from folks from the direct who write the following. Uh, the Bespin Bulletin, which is a Star Wars kind of insider uh, outlet, shared that per their sources, Star Wars Andor may be set to premiere on Disney Plus in August of 2022. This will be the next big project to stream on Disney Plus following Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel, which will debut on June 8th. Of note is that Andor Season 2 is also set to begin production in the fall. If the series follows a similar production pattern to the projects in the Mandoverse, Lucasfilm may be setting Andor up to be an annual August release for the next several years. Reports indicate the series will be in three seasons. And though there's no use, pardon me, there's no use of the volume for the project. This is interesting. Pre-existing sets and costumes can significantly cut down the amount of pre-production needed. Obi-Wan Kenobi's teaser trailer presented an astonishingly, astonishingly cinematic feel for a streaming series, and Andor looks to be following the trend by shooting on location with real sets. In space? In space. Real space. No. So, I mean, there's a couple of things here. Number one, this would make perfect sense. Well, actually, I sh what I should say, number one, is that we don't know this is true. This news is not coming to us from Lucasfilm, from Variety, from whatever. It's coming from a source that has been right several times before, so it's at least worth discussing. Number two, if it were coming out in August, that does make perfect sense because it would be coming on the heels of Ms. Marvel, if not immediately after, then shortly thereafter. So there is a window there for that to come out. Number three, I would be thrilled. I would love to not have to wait that much longer because if we're going to get Obi-Wan May 25th, and if Obi-Wan ends up being as good as we're hoping it will be, I ain't going to want to wait too much longer for another dose of Star Wars. So that's that's the other thing on top of all that. The other thing that I didn't realize was that they did not use the volume for shooting Andor. The volume, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, the volume is that big soundstage that they developed where all the sets are actually virtual on screens in this big circular screen thing, which is where they shot 90% of Mandalorian which is why it's always in the desert. It's just a lot easier to make it look like the desert, but that's just a guy in a room with the, the scene on a screen in the background. And what they've been able to do with that has been amazing. Well, the yeah, the, the backgrounds move in the parallax, the cameras. Everything's I mean, it's connected an amazing together technology. and they know what to do. When you move the camera, they know the scene has to move and yeah, everything it's, is it's just amazing. perfectly done. And by the way, Obi-Wan did use the volume. A lot, you yes. can tell. A lot. But that's okay. But for Cassian to break that mold and say, no, we're doing live sets, other than outer space, I'm going to assume. We're going to be do using live sets and we're not using the volume. That's kind of interesting to me. Anyway, Rob, where's your anticipation level right now for Andor? What do you think of the pros and the cons of the show? What do you think about the idea of it maybe opening it up this August? Well, like I feel this is the flash of the Star Wars streaming shows in that they've been making this for a long time. And we've heard that they had had these scripts written and they, they had to rewrite them again and people came and went and in terms of the staff. But that said, like you, John, I'm of all other than Obi-Wan, this is probably the show that I'm most excited about because like you said, it's about the rebellion having to get themselves dirty. This is about, you know, 
a more of a spy thriller espionage war is hell kind of a show and i love cassie and andor and first of all cassie and andor is one of the coolest star wars names of the modern era and i not that that means anything but i really i thought rogue one was the best disney star wars movie that they put out uh, I like that glimpse of the rebellion. And the thing about having a, rebe- a rebellion, John, is just from a storytelling standpoint, the kind of stories that they can tell. You know, war is hell. And in the Star Wars universe, it's like, well, it's called Star Wars, but everybody's having a great time. No, they're not. Planets are blowing up. Whole civilizations are being snuffed out of existence. And what is that like? And I think that this show is going to delve into that, and I'm really excited for it. And like you, I mean... The idea that it isn't shot on the volume stages gives them a lot more leeway to to move the camera in different ways and actually go on to different locations than just shooting in Tatooine. Um, so there's nothing about this show that doesn't excite me. And maybe, just maybe, John, they'll re-release all the hot toys of the Rogue One figures I missed out on that are exorbitantly expensive on the secondary market. Here's another interesting thing we didn't talk about. One of the things that I think a lot of people loved about Cassian Andor in Rogue One, I know I count myself in this, was the relationship and dynamic between him and K2SO. Alan Tudyk said he's not in this season. Right. He says, if the show does continue, which apparently it is because they're going to start production on season two soon, he says, I'll be there. I ain't going to lie to you. This takes a significant amount of wind out of my enthusiasm sale. I mean, I'm still looking forward to it for all the reasons I described earlier. I am. But when I initially heard about Andor, what I really thought about was I can watch an entire show episodes of just Cassian and K2SO talking back and forth. As a matter of fact, at D23, when they brought out to make the announcement of this thing, they didn't only have him. Alan Tudyk came out on stage, too. And they together announced that they were doing a Cassian Andor show, which makes me think that maybe there was a plan initially to have K2SO in it. Well, but he's an Imperial droid. They have to show you how K2SO came into the, or Cassian Andor acquired him or was able to liberate him. I would have been fine if he was just there. I mean, maybe we see, we're going to see Andor get recruited by the Rebellion. Maybe we'll see his life before he joined. Yeah, I know. I look, it may make it may make perfect story sense. And yes, I always say story comes first. Absolutely. But I'm not gonna. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that knowing that K2 with him there is not going to be the tandem that we see. We're not going to have that buddy cop kind of feel to no. it a little bit. But that we I was looking forward to. We're working up to it. We're working up to it in season two if we get there. Question is for you guys: What do you think about this? Do you have a lot of excitement for Andor? Maybe yes, maybe no. Do you like the idea of them moving up? Maybe you think closer to December is where they've been having a lot of success with the Star Wars stuff. Whatever you guys are feeling, jump down to the comment section below. And let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number five. And our fifth main topic today gets submitted to us by Derek. And Derek writes, Happy St. Patrick's Day. I totally forgot today was St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I hope you're wearing your green. I am. uh, I'll just say I'm wearing green underwear. How's that? Nice. Uh, hopefully, uh, hope you guys are wearing your green. Anyway, I remember a while ago on the show, you guys debated if Dr. Strange would be the new leader of the Avengers. Well, according to Benedict Cumberbatch, he won't be because he's not even an Avenger, even though he has and will continue to team up with them. What do you think of his statement? And who do you think will eventually be the leader 
of the Avengers. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, Derek. And uh, unfortunately, no, no green. No green today. I totally forgot. Maybe I should wear something green later today. Anyway, this is a big question that has been floating around. Now, obviously, since Avengers Endgame, a lot of questions about the nature of the Avengers, the makeup of the Avengers, who's in it, who's in it, the status of the Avengers yes. has been a big question and something that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has not addressed. They haven't addressed it in Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, which came out after Endgame. They didn't address it in WandaVision or Loki or Falcon and the Winter Soldier or the new Spider-Man No Way Home. It hasn't like, but the Avengers Hawkeye. have been re in Hawkeye. The Avengers have been referenced, but no real mention of what is the status of the Avengers. Are they even a team still with whoever is still remaining? And the question that pertains to this topic that a lot of people have asked is, is Doctor Strange now the leader of the Avengers? Or does the, do the Avengers even have a leader? And that's a, a topic of conversation I've seen on a lot of feeds and on a lot of threads, people talking about this. Well, apparently, we don't have a lot of answers about the, the nature of the Avengers right now, but it does seem like we can say this. The Avengers leader is not Doctor Strange because apparently Doctor Strange isn't even a member of the Avengers. He's not an Avenger. This comes to us from the folks... Uh, this comes to us actually directly from Benedict Cumberbatch, who said the following. People say that you were in the Avengers, but you're not an Avenger, right? No, I'm not. I'm not at Tony Stark Tower with Nick Fury. No, he's sort of outside of that realm. But I don't think that's necessarily a character trait. I think that is just a, do a job title. He's there to protect the reality of the Avengers in a different way to what they have been fighting up until the point that everything collides in the last two Avengers movies. So he holds his position as an adult on the periphery of that. But I think only for so long. There's always a moment where he has to work with people and team up. And, you know, we might see that in the next film. You have to wait and see. Oh, Benedict. Let me read that last part again. And, you know, we might see that in the next film. Who knows? We'll have to see. Ah, uh, you teaser. Teasing us about what we may or may not see in Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness 2, of course. Uh, according to sources, everybody is going to be in the movie. Everybody's going to be making a cameo. Including Ray. Including Ray. Yep. Ray Aura. I'm in there. He's uh, he's going to play uh, Wong's younger yeah. brother. Yeah. I'm going to uh, be Dong. He's going to be Dong. <laughs> Ray. <laughs> It's going to be casting spells. The donger needs food. I'm going to make an appearance in Rob's Star Wars 2 as <laughs> Dong. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Ding Dong, I, baby. I can actually, I got somebody you can call. Uh, no. no. Let's keep going here. Um. So, yes, everybody's going to be appearing in that movie. Everybody's going to be there, but, it, but apparently it ain't going to be him. Now, look, what he said here, we understand for the record. In no movie in the MCU has it ever been said that Doctor Strange is an Avenger. As far as I know, they've never said that. He's never been a part of the team. Well, in Infinity War, he's not. I mean, he goes and gets Tony Stark, and they'd never even met. Yeah. They just fight alongside of each other. Yeah. So, yeah, we, uh, we need to get you. You're, I mean, when I, Ebony Maw attacks, you know, New York, they're fighting. And, and Tony Stark's like, he's a wizard. Yeah, don't embarrass me. You're embarrassing me in front of the wizard, man. That's one of my favorite lines where he's Dude. talking to, to Banner. Now, I have to say that I, I don't care what anyone says. The first 
half an hour of Avengers Infinity War is one of my favorite things ever. Ever. Oh, it's great. Ever. It's... <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it, it is great. I mean, it's not my favorite comic book movie of the year. No, but, but it I mean, was just the whole, when they fight in New York, I mean, there's something so quintessential. I never thought of all the Avengers stuff, just the, their interplay, the fact that they're, you know, the way Tony Stark is being so revered by Spider-Man. that they're getting their asses thrown all over New York. It's okay, Mr. Stark. I mean, it's just everything about it's the best. I love it. It's it's all the way good. up to the point where Spider-Man gets his new uh, armor and gets in the ship. And they, I think I've, watched that probably 50 times that first half an hour it well it's it's it, to me it's, so it's the best part it's the best part it's <laughs> so good so here we have him saying look there is this separation but you are going to see dr strange working with them and i think that's key because like when they were doing promo for shang chi one of the things in the marvel marketing was meet the newest avenger right clearly telling us that shang chi is going to in the be, comic shang chi's been an avenger right uh, you know the comics are different than the thing but yeah yeah you know they're said actually in the for the movies promoting the movie meet the newest avenger and so we know he's going to be a part of the avengers mm. at some point moving forward but such claims have never been made now a lot of people still assume any hero in the mcu is, is an avenger we were just talking about moon knight and mo people saying well moon knight's going to be avenger and this person's an avenger and this person but are they and that's what benedict brings up is it brings up a question is just because a character is a hero and in the mcu um does that mean anything does that actually mean they're a part of the avengers yes or no so it does bring up then the further question rob if dr strange is not the de facto leader of the avengers moving forward like cap was oh well, cap and tony to agree were the leaders were they were the figureheads of the avengers if they're not it anymore, who is it? Now, some people have said, well, it's got to be Spider-Man because he's the, you know, the most popular character. But it absolutely in no reality in the multiverse could it be Spider-Man. Nobody in the Avengers, whoever is in the Avengers at this point, is taking their lead and orders from a teenager. They're, they're just not. They don't know he's a teenager. Not anymore. Well, well, yeah, not anymore. Now, nobody does. But uh, they're not taking their marching orders from a guy who just came on the scene recently. Right. And and is what he is. I mean, they're, they're, they're just not. First year college student? Yeah, I don't think. You think Rhodey, an <clears throat> Air Force captain, is going to take combat orders <laughs> from a kid? Ain't going to happen. He, so, no, Spider-Man is not going to be the leader of the Avengers in, in any way, shape, or form. And that's fine. He shouldn't be. But then who is it? I mean, on some levels, it kind of should be Rhodey. I mean, he is the most senior, the most experienced. He's been on the Avengers fighting with Tony for a long, long time. Uh, so there's that option. Then you've got Sam. I mean, Sam carries Steve Shield now, and he's also a longtime military guy. So he's in there, too. Some people saying in the live chat, Purple Queen is saying, Mary Poppins, y'all. Mary Poppins <laughs> should be the leader of the Avengers at this point. So who are our realistic options here? It can't be Wanda. I mean, that, that's obviously a disqualification right there. So it can't be Wanda. I yeah. think Rhodey is a possibility. I think Sam is a possibility. Kate Bishop? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kate, Kate Bishop totally makes as much sense as Spider-Man. <laughs> 
Uh, I was about, oh, who was I about to say? Uh, I think Hawkeye is a legitimate, he's, he's a lot of experience, operative. He is an OG Avenger. He's been and seen it all. So he's an option. Um, who else would be? Uh, and I want to throw another name out there. Might sound weird. White Vision. Vision, now again, comics are the comics, the movies are the movies. Vision has been the leader of the Avengers in the comics. And there, this vision is a reflection of the original vision. So that might take some time to build trust. I'll say that's a dark horse. I'll say White Vision is a dark horse in that race. But I know, Rob, first of all, what do you think about... There's Thor. Uh, there's Thor, but is he on Earth enough right, to do I know, that, right? I know. So, but let me ask you, what do you think about Benedict's comments here? And then ultimately, if he's not the leader of the Avengers, where does that lead us? Who's going to kind of be that new face that Steve and Tony kind of were of the Avengers moving forward? And who could fill that role? And who do you think was disqualified? I think many people are. I, look, I think it's going to be Sam Wilson. I think it's going to be the new Captain America, at least for the time being. If, John, there's even Avengers, an Avengers team. Well, we talked which, before about, remember, Kevin Feige made that comment where he kind of referred to Endgame as the final Avengers film. Now, that might have just been semantics, but that is out there. I mean, I, I currently don't think there is an Avengers team. The Avengers defeated Thanos, saved the world, brought people back from the blip. Tony Stark was destroyed. Who can uh, The Avengers aren't being funded. Remember, the Avengers really broke apart uh, during the Civil War. They never came back together, not really, until after the blip happened. And then you had kind of the Avengers came back as a team um, to sort of put the world back together. But then when they, in, in defeating Thanos, I mean, you had, you lost three of your main members you lost black widow you who was leading the avengers you lost captain america and you lost tony stark so i i would say there is no avengers team right now at all and and so i think the question of who's leading the avengers is sort of moot until we find out what would an avengers team even look like because they don't have their they don't have their heavy hitters they've lost i mean thor's off doing what thor does with the guardians and with love and thunder whatever that means and God, you know, Gore the God Butcher and all that. So there really is no Avengers team, which, by the way, leaves Earth vulnerable. But we've got cosmic characters that maybe we haven't seen yet. Um, so right now, I don't even think there's somebody other than who of the obvious Captain Marvel. Well, can that's, lead the Avengers. that's what I was going to bring up next, is that a lot of people have kind of mentioned captain marvel because again let's, she's led the avengers obviously yeah she's led the avengers she's very prominent in civil war ii but again comics are the comics movies are the movies but let's look down the resume military background so i mean that's top notch there intergalactic experience so she's a human on earth with military experience she knows the galactic landscape better than anybody other than maybe thor or the guardians of the galaxy she is kevin feige has referred to her as the most powerful although they're there i mean that's got to come into question with once hulk once they revisit hulk and once they look at uh revisit hulk and wanda exactly how but it, then again is wanda even a hero anymore that we don't know we'll have we'll have to find that that out but 
I think you got to make a strong case for Captain Marvel being the leader of the well, Avengers. Well, I, I think right now she's the only person who, who can even step up to be an Avenger. Maybe an Avenger of one. Because <clears throat> who else? But I do think, I, look, I do think that they could rally. Um, uh, Carol Danvers could rally the troops and bring back the remaining heroes and form a new Avengers team if one is called for. But the thing is, remember, you know, the Avengers initiative served its purpose. So maybe as far as the MCU is concerned, we're going to be looking elsewhere, whether it's the Illuminati, whether it's the Fantastic Four, whether it's the X-Men. Well, I mean, also, but don't forget, too, that through all these, while they haven't mentioned the status of the Avengers, the Avengers are, have been consistently referenced. Like, how about the Avengers? Like they, So it, it seems like in the MCU right now, it is known that the Avengers are still a thing. They're just not giving us any specifics. Yeah, but I think people don't understand that they, they aren't anymore. I mean, there really isn't, because even Falcon and Winter Soldier, it was like, the okay, we're done. The Avengers is done. You know, Falcon, Captain America is now back to being a solo artist. You know, he's, he's Robert Plant after he left the uh, Led Zeppelin. After Led Zeppelin was after Led Zeppelin lost lost Robert Plant, he he, he formed uh, other bands. You know, after Peter Gabriel left Genesis, he, he, he was the honey, after Phil the honey, Collins left Genesis. The honey Drippers, you know, the Honey <laughs> was Drippers. Was that the name of them? The Honey Drippers. The, uh, yeah, I think. Well, that was one oh of his bands. But I, you know, it, that's kind of what I think. Like to me, if Led Zeppelin was the the Avengers of rock bands, and then you had Robert Plant kind of leave. You know, well, technically, the traveling Wilburys were the Avengers well, of rock band. I mean, I just, just want to throw that out there. A lot of people are like the traveling what? Go look it up. Uh, the tra- actually, I want to ask Ray this though. Ray, who should be the next leader of the Avengers? He's thinking. I'm thinking if it's not Nick Fury. I mean, you mean just on the team, the actual team that goes yeah, out? Yeah. Who's who's the leader there? I mean, that, and by the way, that is a name we haven't discussed. It's just Nick Fury himself. Nick Fury I could mean, he's be clearly still in a command position. He would, uh, in he's referenced in No Way Home, saying, you know, what do they refer? Director Fury is currently on whatever. So and he did put the team together in the first he place. He is the guy who put it together. I'm so, thinking that Monica girl is going to take over. Monica Rambo. Yeah. Well, we're going to see her in the Marvels, right? So we'll see what kind of role she plays there. Again, military background, but she was blipped for a long time but still military background she's a legacy character i mean that's possible and she's been an avenger but right now i see winner um falcon being the leader yeah you see sam being leader. that's my obvious pick my long shot or what i would want would be blade (laughs) blade is the leader of the avengers i honestly i think the three most likely because they have the resume they have comic background. I think it's Rhodey, Sam, or Carol. I, I think those are your three most likely to be next if they do have an right. Avengers thing. But then forward. there's people we haven't like, like Cersei's been an Avenger. Well, yeah. Black Knight has been an Avenger. So those are two potential. But these are characters that have no exposure. Like the no, world I doesn't know. even know them yet. So I don't know anybody would trust them to be the leader of the Avengers at I this know. point. So, I don't know. It's an interesting question. Guys, the question then comes for you. What do you think about, number one, Benedict Cumberbatch saying, look, let's just clear this up. I'm not the leader of the Avengers because I'm not even an Avenger. Doctor Strange ain't an Avenger. Well, if he ain't, because a lot of people thought he could be the leader of the Avengers, 
who should be leader of the Avengers? I mean, I personally think the top three candidates because of their resumes and everything are War Machine, uh, the new Cap, and Captain Marvel. I think that makes the most sense, but maybe there's some other outside shot characters. What do you guys think about this? Whatever your thoughts are, jump on down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. We want to take a minute and thank the sponsors of this video, Liquid IV. Now listen, just one stick of Liquid IV added to 16 ounces of water will hydrate you faster and more efficiently than just water alone. It contains five essential vitamins like B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course vitamin C with three times the electrolytes as traditional sports drinks. And what makes Liquid IV so effective is the science of cellular transport technology or CTT. You see, it's designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other key ingredients into your bloodstream faster and more efficiently. You know, Ann and I get up pretty early in the morning to go to the gym because we can't go to the gym at any other time during the day. And for the last couple of weeks, I have been drinking one full glass of water with liquid IV. And all I can tell you is you can feel the difference during the workout. So go and grab liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code Campia at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code Campia, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today when you go to liquidiv.com. And remember, use the promo code at checkout, Campia. All right, and special thank you to the good folks at Liquid IV for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys. With that down, let's now move on over and start taking your live comments that you guys have been sending in here, shall we? And we're going to start things off here with, where are we at? We're starting off with Andy, who writes, one of two. On the latest episode of The Flash, there were melodramatic subplots nobody cares about and someone who, who whimpers and says, no, I can't do it. And then, wait a second, and then uh, gets pep talk and helps them save the day. Oh, and that person also found out Flash's secret identity. Wow, really fresh stuff from the Arrowverse. Well, <laughs> listen, I haven't watched Flash for the last two seasons. I, like last season, I watched a number of the episodes and then I, I tapped out. I tapped out. Look, again, I've said this before. I will always look back fondly on The Flash. I think The Flash has been a really good show. But it's, no pun intended, it has run its course. It's it's done. <laughs> um, and so, uh, like I said, a little bit in the last season, I tapped out on it. And again, I am always going to go forward remembering that Flash was a really good show. I, I will always have good memories of this show. I enjoyed that show. But yeah... It has been proven more than once that this is a show that probably should have had the plug pulled on it a while ago. And uh, and there we go. All right, next up. We got Seconds from Disaster writes, Hey, John and crew. We know Ms. Marvel's comic origins are directly tied to the Kree. Do you think her bracelets in the trailer could be Kree tech? All right, so I was watching a guy on YouTube I really enjoy, Comics Explained. And he has a theory that... Both Ms. Marvel's bracelet that we see and the Ten Rings are connected, <clears throat> which is a lot of people's theories. A lot of people believe that her bracelet and the Ten Rings are connected. But beyond that, that they are of Cree origin. He said that? Yeah. He believes they're, they're going to be of Wouldn't they have known after, after Wong examined them? Wouldn't he have known if they were? Well, his theory is that it like predates 
stuff they would have known. And it's actually even tech and stuff that the Cree themselves have discarded and not, don't even think about. Oh, okay. Right? Now, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said there. I don't buy it. I, I don't personally buy it because, again, if anybody is going to know if something was Cree, it would be Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel would know if anything was really of Cree origin. The fact that they looked at it so carefully and there's a pulse going out from the Ten Rings. Now, I do buy the part of the theory that her bracelet and the Ten Rings are linked. Yeah. They don't look exactly the same, obviously, but there are similarities there. And I think they will be linked and it'll tie into our bigger overall story. I'm actually thinking they tie into the Celestials. I personally think they tie into the Celestials. Because if they do tie into the Celestials, they would predate anything in known existence. Which would explain why Wong doesn't know what they are. Why Captain Marvel doesn't know what they are. Why Banner doesn't know what they are. Um, so it could be that. But I don't know. Do you got any theories about the, what we saw in that uh, Ms. Marvel trailer? Not really, other than the fact that I think they are connected to the Ten Rings, because why wouldn't they be? <laughs> you know, if you're making the Marvel Cinematic Universe, of course. But I'm I'm curious. Uh, I don't know, John. And I think the, the Celestials are a pretty good bet or something we haven't yet seen. All right. Next up, we go to, that was Seconds from Disaster. Now we're at Jace, who writes, Hey, guys. Over under 25%, Dwayne Johnson's character from San Andreas will be in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> I will put that right at 25%. I, I'm going to take a push. I'm not going to take over, under. I'm going to say right at 25%. He's going to swoop in on that helicopter. He's going to have his daughter with him. I keep forgetting the actress's name. Uh, uh, Alexandra. Daddario. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, Ale Alexandra Daddario is going to come sweeping in with him. There we go. I'll, I'll, get the, I'll take the full push on 25%. All right. Dante Shiraccia writes, Howdy, John and friends. With Amazon's acquisition of MGM, what's your over-under 35% we'll see a 007 series and or spinoff by 2035 on Prime Video? Um, almost zero. Now, I totally believe we are going to get more Bond. For sure, we're going to get more Bond. But it's going to be theatrical. And the main reason for that is, I mean, a lesser reason is because Amazon is committed to theatrical releases for their bigger, higher profile movies. But the bigger reason for that is this. The people who still creatively control Bond is not Amazon. And it wasn't MGM. It's the Broccoli family. They have full creative control over that character. So that's the main reason. Rob, how would you explain the, the I know I completely agree with you. I mean, I definitely think they're they would push to do something bond related. But well, you know 100%, what? percent yeah. I'll tell you one thing. If they do anything, they should do a villain like we've talked about this before on the show, John, long time ago. But the idea of showing the rise of a bond villain to power. I think that's that would be a great show. Would you do a different one, or would you go back and use like a Christoph Waltz, or use like? Oh, uh, I would do it absolutely. The, right. the the creation of Spectre, you know, coming out of the the maybe coming out of the the remnants of World War Two. Would there be an audience for that? Do you think? I think if it was great, I think so because Spectre's got multiple characters. Yeah, you know, and it's a criminal organization. I would do a whole show on the organ organ the the organization, the creation of that criminal organization. It's worldwide, could be globe trotting. And then, uh, you know, I think it could be really, really, really great. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Mikey Palacios writes, 
I've been saying for years, Doctor Strange isn't an Avenger, at least not yet anyway. So it's nice seeing Benedict Cumberbatch have similar thoughts. Yeah, I mean, again, like, you know, Wong kind of said it straight up in the first Doctor Strange. While the Avengers look after these threats, we look after these threats. So they always had a separation there. But I totally get why people saw him as he has a lot of credibility to maybe be the next leader of the Avengers. But that's been put to bed, Mikey. All right, Sam Fisher writes, James Gunn confirmed on Twitter that he will voice himself in Harley Quinn season three. Squee! Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't care. But John, you love James Gunn. Yes, I do. John, you love Harley Quinn. Yes, I do. And it's going to be fun to see a James, James Gunn apparently as James Gunn is going to pop up in season three. And James Gunn himself is going to voice it. But it's going to be a gag. It's going to be short. It's not going to have long lasting implications on the show. So it's going to it's cool, but I'm not going to get I'm not going to lose my shit over it like I would for for some other things. But I do love the, both of those things. All right. Number uh, next up. Andy writes one of two. Alan Horn retired at the end of 2021 under over 20 percent that David Zaslav gives Horn a call after the WB Discovery merger is complete uh, under or. Uh, over 20% that Horn accepts Zaslav's offer. All right, so there's two different questions there. Let's answer the first one. Over under 20% that David Zaslav gives Alan Horn a call. 10,000%. 10,000%. Because I guarantee you every studio has called Alan Horn to see if he'd be <laughs> interested in a new challenge. I guarantee you. When you look at what that guy did with Disney's movie properties over the course of his career, and... Listen, all glory to Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige never would have been able to accomplish what he did if he didn't have Alan Horn as a boss. Alan Horn paved the way for the success and always facilitated the success of Kevin Feige. He is the ultimate movie executive. 10,000% Zaslav has already called Alan Horn. Over Second question, over under 20% that Alan Horn accepts, under. I'd go 5%. He's already been talked out of retirement once and worked for, an what was it, like 15 additional years, something like that, after he already retired. Plus, they talked him out of retirement because Big Papa Iger is very persuasive. So he talked Alan Shore out of retirement. He already did it once. That dude is sipping Mai Tais and enjoying life right now. I don't think there's any chance he comes back. What do you think? I totally agree with you. And plus, <coughs> the business that Alan Horn worked within is being swept away. And it's just changing. And even if he was a relatively young guy, I don't think he would come back. You know, I think I think he would want new challenges. He doesn't need the landscape that currently exists now. I don't think it's nearly as fun as it used to be for movie moguls. All right, next up, we've got Rookie Tukey writes and says like a $20 super chat. Thank you, Rookie, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Writes one of two. John, I've committed a cinema sin. I have to confess this transgressions to ease my conscience. My first time viewing of Lawrence of Arabia was on uh, my screen cracked iPhone 5 when I was in Mexico. Oh, God. Um, uh, it, it did not do it any justice. What must I do to atone for thy error? Must I walk on my knees all around the Walk of Fame in L.A.? Boy. You must be flogged with a woman walking behind you. Yeah, think Shame. 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 You do not watch Lawrence of Arabia on a phone. You shouldn't watch, mo unless they're movies you've already seen before, you shouldn't watch movies on a phone. You're just robbing yourself an experience. But yeah, listen, 
All you need to do, do not worry. Redemption is nigh, my friend. Redemption is nigh. Just get to a, your house or a friend's house, whoever has the bigger TV, and watch Lawrence Arabia on the biggest thing. I mean, obviously, you don't have the option to run out and see it in a movie theater. I'm deeply saddened by this, John. Yeah, which is very sad. But this is one of cinematography. This is like among cinematographers, like one of the most revered, iconic films of all time. So you're going to want to correct that, Rob. Uh, you know, this is this is I, I just feel for the modern age. If we didn't have social media and cell phones, this kind of transgressions would not be allowed to happen. <laughs> but because we have such great technology surrounding us, it's it's this is why this is why, you know, we live in a lesser society today. But hey, step one was confessing your sin. And you did. Well, that. that's well true. Done. You know what? My name. I don't know. What is our viewer's name? Uh, Rookie Tuki. Rookie, t- I am Rookie Tuki. Forgive me, I'm Rookie Tuki, and, and I have a problem. <laughs> I have a problem. I watched Lawrence. Of, th- this could be a support group unto itself. <laughs> All right. Next up, Suthius writes, Luke, buddy, the fight's over this way. LOL. Oscar caliber acting right there. Mr. B looking like a more upbeat bootleg Ron Swanson with that hair and stash. LOL. Hope you had a blast that day. Was that one of your lines, Luke, buddy? The what was it? The fight's, the over, fight's there. over this <laughs> way. Was that one yeah. of the lines? Yeah, that is. Act- is that Su- is that Suthius? That is Suthius who wrote Suthius that in. has clearly yep. watched he, he or maybe found. that's just in the trailer, too. But maybe he has, in fact, watched. Hey, man, there's a reason why my acting prowess was relegated to a porn film. Just saying. Uh, all right. Speaking of <laughs> and Rob's. That's not to denigrate porn actors. No, not at all. Uh, speaking of Rob's prowess, uh, there's a, a new episode of Mailbag coming out a little bit later today. We actually we didn't have time to get it posted up last night. But of course, for these you guys know, not only do we take live questions during the show, you guys can send in questions using the tip link in the description below for us to address on Mailbag. And there is a new Mailbag video going up today, and here's just a little taste of Robert Meyer Burnett doing Mailbag, a video that'll come out a little bit today. Check out this clip. Part one sends in a $20 tip. Hey, John, kudos to you and the whole crew. The show's been on fire lately. A special shout-out to the lovely and amazing Chris Carr. So glad she's back. Keep up the great work. Also, stayed up to 3 a.m. last night to finally see the flawed masterpiece Spider-Man No Way Home. So much good, but the whole great responsibility is to protect murderous thug scenes were awful. Reminded me of your recent Dark Knight discussion. Like the fairy scene, it took me out of the movie. You know what? I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I understand where Peter was coming from. The only the only the only defense that I would give it is remember that our Peter Parker doesn't know to what extent these guys have committed heinous villainous acts so that's 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 the only thing that i would i would say but um you know i i I completely understand where you're coming from and how it took you out of it i i totally get it i i don't blame you for that and i don't think you're necessarily wrong but because it kind of was a little bit of cringe because it's like come on dude these these are villainous people and look what ends up happening so it's a little contrived but i mean i understand it our peter parker doesn't realize the extent that he's in jeopardy so that's that's what i would say about that oh part three part three he goes on to say uh ganilo or ganilo i'm, I'm sorry i'm getting your name wrong i apologize but i want to first of all thank you for 
Thank you for supporting the channel in this way. It means a lot. The end of Spider-Man was also reminiscent of The Dark Knight in a good way. Peter's sacrifice of isolation reminded me of Batman's and Gordon's final speech. They'll send the dogs after him because he can take it. Dude, totally right. I completely agree with you. I felt that way. And, you know, to me, uh, a true hero makes those kinds of sacrifices. And I, I completely agree with you. It absolutely was like the end of the Dark Knight. You know, Peter's all alone. And when he goes in to see, to see Ned and, and um, MJ and they don't recognize him, I mean, come on, dude. That is heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. So I am with you 100%. I think it's very astute. And uh, I agree. And that episode of Mailbag will be up on the uh, channel in its full glorious form a little bit later today. So get, make sure you guys go check out that episode of Mailbag a little bit later. All right. Let's keep things rolling here. Uh, Irene Jobson writes in, Happy St. Patrick's Day, y'all. Thank you for that. And again, I totally forgot. Didn't wear my green. Oh. I, I will put some green on later. I promise I will. Thanks for writing that in, Irene. Uh, let's see. Schnipp writes, uh, Fellowship of the Ring can legally... Let me try this again. Fellowship of the Ring can legally drink as it turns 21 this year. Well, in Canada... <laughs> In Canada, could have drank two years ago. Just saying. Uh, it turns 21 this year. This trilogy hasn't aged a day. Lord of the Rings movie club. Oh, you know the Lord of the Rings is coming to movie club. All three, they will all be on movie club, and they're coming sooner than you think, so do keep your eyes open. And by the way, guys, if you haven't checked out movie club yet, go and check it out. We've already got, we've done six episodes already. That's insane. That's crazy. We've done six episodes already. Anyway, the movie club stuff is up. Go and check it out, guys. And subscribe to the podcast feed as well. By the way, do you know what today is? St. Patrick's Day? It's the third anniversary of Best Movie, Worst Movie. Really? When we were in the top 10 of Apple Podcasts. We, I believe, hit number five with Best Movie, Worst Movie. Three years today. Yes. And just so, in case anybody is wondering, Best Movie, Worst Movie is returning. Uh, I know I've been saying that for a while. I know, I know, I know. But best movie, worst movie is returning. We'll give you guys more information. As I didn't realize it was the three-year anniversary of it. That's very cool. Just like George R.R. R. Martin was saying, the, the dragons are the coming. Dragons are coming. <laughs> we swear, the dragons oh, the are coming, and they're going to be so cool. It's going to be written one day. Wiener, 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 wiener. All right, what's next? Where do we got here? We got Sam Fisher writes, um, you all see the designs Marvel released for the second annual Hellfire Gala. My favorite looks were Jean Grey and Steve Rogers' navy suit with red pinstripes. I have no idea what this is talking about. <laughs> okay. So so in the Hickman, the, the, the post-Hickman X-Men universe with Power of X and House of X, they had like the Met Gala. Right. They had the X-Men Gala, and I did not realize they were going to do it again. Why wouldn't they? I have not seen the new. I can't wait. I was I was a big proponent of the, the first one, so I can't wait to see these. So bring them on. I have not seen these designs. I'm very excited. All right. Next up, we got Anish who writes, Hello, gang. Would love to hear your thoughts of one of my favorite movies, City of God. So, somebody just wrote that in like a month ago. We brought that up and talked about City of God. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. It's an I have it on Blu-ray. Of course you have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, look, it's it's a look at a culture that I'm I'm glad I'm not a part of, but it's really hard hitting and um I love it. It's beautifully made. But man, it's it's it can be a rough watch. All right. Next up, we've got uh Rookie. Oh, that was already did that. Sam Fisher writes, John, you say you don't like cats because they are a-holes, but isn't that 
part of the fun? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, hey, listen, you're talking to a guy that grew up with cats. I, I grew up and always had a cat in our family, and I liked our cats. And he, but and I, I got to admit, I love kittens. When we go to the Petco to pick up dog supplies, eh. and they have the the kittens in the window, I always look at the kittens. Come on, admit. time out. But as my mother always says. The biggest problem with kittens is that they become cats. All right. you Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, how can you love kittens and not like cats? Because kittens, they are very different when they're kittens. Like, they're super different. They learn to become assholes. Like, that's the stage of, of cat development. They, they slow go from cute, adorable, wonderful little things to complete utter assholes. But eh, it is what it is. And no offense to any of my cat-loving friends out there. We all have issues. All right. Next up. Oh, man. <laughs> so Elliot Cecil writes, John, did you see the Barry season three teaser? I did not. If so, how excited are you for the new season? And what are your overall thoughts on the show? I was late um, to the part. I don't th I might not be remembering this right, but I don't think I started watching Barry until after the first season ended. Me too. I was a little bit late to it. it I heard it was really good. Well, it, it didn't look all that great to me, to be honest with you. It's but it's really good. It's really you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of that John Cusack movie. Gross point blank. Gross point blank, thank you. It reminded me a little bit of Gross Point Blank. Yep. But in in all the best ways. Yeah. It's a terrific show. I have not seen the season three teaser yet, but I am very much excited for it. Have you been watching Barry? Uh, yeah, I have, but I haven't I saw that the third I saw the that the third season trailer was up this morning, but I just I didn't yeah, watch it. I haven't seen it yet myself either. I can't wait to though. All right. Uh, let's see. Suthius writes, okay, I just bought No Way Home on digital from Google, but it has an audio description that I can't turn off. I hope I'm not the only one here. Oh, well, that's that's a glitch then. I guarantee you that can be turned off. Uh, I have never personally had, I mean, I've had it where some things I've played, the subtitles automatically come up and I just go into the things and I turn them off. Yeah. But I, I guarantee you that is a glitch see if it rectifies itself if it doesn't just write to google customer support you should be able to get that rectified or double check all your settings because yeah. sometimes it just comes in automatically uh, activated for some reason Suthius. all right my comic planet writes john not hearing good things about ben affleck's deep waters yikes haven't heard anything about that's what he does with adam to Ar uh, adam, adam to Armis. yeah dude okay i <laughs> Anna to Armis. Uh, Jeffrey Wells, who's a Hollywood elsewhere. Yeah, I know uh, Jeffrey. Okay, so he was he wrote some things about it, and I I've been deliriously excited for this movie. I get deliriously excited for a lot of things. I love Adrian Lyne. This is based on a Patricia Highsmith novel. Uh, it looked great, but but Jeffrey, without reviewing it or unless he did it yesterday, I didn't see his column yesterday. He alluded that he had a lot of problems with it, which kind of bums me out. Well, I mean, because Adrian Ad, Adrian Fatal Attraction Line. Adrian Jacobs ladder line, Adrian flash dance line. Come on, you know. I mean, I knew there 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 might be reason when they pulled it from theaters. I know that was our first red flag. I know, but again, I, I haven't seen it myself, so we'll find out. All right, next up, uh, Sam Fisher writes, Rob, if Paramount casts if Paramount casts Bones, should they just do a revival? Oh, I see what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. Rob, if Paramount cast Bones, should they just do a revival of the original Kirk series? Uh, and do you have a problem with modern Trek? Uh, and do, well, that's a stupid question, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> I am, uh, anyway, should, uh, if, should they do a revival of the original if they recast Bones? Well, we've already had three movies where they've done that. Look, I find... 
The great thing about the Berman era of Star Trek is you went from Next Generation to Deep Space Nine to Voyager, and even Enterprise dealt with the beginnings of the Federation. It was all new. It was all new. New characters, new situations, new stories. I do not understand why in modern this modern age, all the discoveries of prequel series, the upcoming Strange New Worlds is a prequel series, Picard is a sequel series, Lower Decks references all the other Star Trek shows, Prodigy is actually pretty interesting, even though it's got Janeway on it, well, a holographic Janeway. I don't understand why they don't take a page from classic Star Trek. For 25 seasons and 18 years, there was new characters and new stories. Star Trek is a perfect test bed for that kind of thing. Why don't they go back and do it? Why they do are. we need to see? Discovery is completely new stories and, and it, new everything. I mean, it, it Deep comes... Space Nine went back and brought in Worf. Yeah, but that's but that but that was that was taking Worf's story further. Discovery introduced Spock again and Sarek, and they uh, they touched on all these characters that have already, I mean, literally grown old and died, and then they bring them back. Star Trek did such a great job of creating new stories and advancing that mythology. Yeah, and that was, it's been was so cool. good. And that's that, obviously that part is up for debate, but it's just been so good. Ugh. <laughs> has it though it has it has you know not what for everybody. i you, not for everybody I was, the first two episodes of picard i was like okay until this third episode and i'm like oh i have not seen the third episode oh. yet oh. which your reaction makes me think i'll probably really love it but you we'll know what find out. i don't think you will this okay one, i don't think you will because and uh, well, i certainly don't love every episode of discovery i mean i really do way, like you know who overall. directed this week's episode of star trek picard leah thompson really yeah Oh, that's fascinating. And I was happy for her that, but I'm like, God, couldn't you have given her a better script? Well, but, let's see. All right. By the, by, by the way, um, oh crap! Now I lost my train. I thought I was going to ask you. If I remember, I'll come back to it. All right. Uh, next up, Mickey Bell writes a big 20th anniversary today to WrestleMania 18 in Toronto. Hogan versus The Rock uh, still has to. Wait a minute. Is that the 20th anniversary of Hogan versus Rock? Can't be. Can't be. Uh, still has to be uh, uh, is still to this day a great match. What are your memories of that? That can't be twenty years ago. What WrestleMania was he saying it was? He's saying it was WrestleMania eighteen. Was WrestleMania eighteen Hogan versus The Rock? In two thousand and two. I two thousand and two, March seventeenth, two thousand and two. And was it Hogan versus The Hogan Rock? Hogan versus The Rock. Dude, which, that's twenty years. That was today. twenty years ago. Which today, which. Still is my favorite WrestleMania match of all time. That match was so good. I still remember watching because Hogan at that point was an absolute heel. He, Hollywood Hogan at that point was the heel. He was the bad guy. He had, you know, gone over to WCW. Wait, Paul Hogan? Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was, was Rocky Three came out in 82. I know, but, but so WrestleMania that you're talking about was 20 years after that. Yes, and now it's 20 years since then. So it's, yeah, it's been, been 40, 40 years. years since Rocky Three. So I don't, I cannot believe for a second. But anyway, so Hogan was a total villain. Yeah, coming against the most popular star in in Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Well, established, established. He totally was, established. He Big was superstar. total face. Yeah, total. Yeah. But as the match went on, 
like the audience started cheering for Hogan and for both of them. It was going back. It was not the best technical wrestling match ever, but it was a great match to watch. On the biggest stage, I never thought I would see the fans determine the story. It was that it was that bad where Hogan was supposed to do all these like heel things, bad guy things, but yet the fans cheered everything he did. So he started playing off the fans like a like a, a good guy would. They both watched. did. They it both so playing crazy. off it. I mean, man, that crowd had to be the best uh, crowd during a match. Now, my favorite seen. WrestleMania match, I, I believe it was WrestleMania 2. I think it was. Correct me if I'm wrong, wrong Ray, but I believe it was Randy Macho Man Savage versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I think that was WrestleMania. I might be. I could be way off on that about when that match happened. That may not have been two. No, because two was was Hogan and Mr. T again. Mr. T in a boxing match, wasn't it? Wasn't uh, WrestleMania two? Yeah, it was yeah, Mr. Mr. T, T against Rowdy Roddy Piper in I a think boxing that's the match. Dumb one where they had it in three different places. It was like six hours long. I think that might have been the one. Okay, no, I'm being told it was WrestleMania three where Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat had the. Dude, I think that's my favorite match. Dwayne Johnson's gonna be fifty. Yeah. Yeah, he's been around for a while. Wow. All right, we got to keep moving oh, on. Yeah, here. man. <laughs> All right, next up. Uh, Joseph Arroyo writes, Hey, crew, uh, taking my wife for her first showing of Batman this weekend, nice, my fourth screening, between AMC Dolby Cinema and AMC Prime, which is the best experience? Thanks. Well, I mean, look, the, the, we've gone over this before. There is a little confusion there. A Dolby Cinema is an AMC Prime. It's uh, Dolby Cinema at AMC Prime. Then there are AMC Prime without the Dolby Cinema. The difference is the Dolby Cinema at AMC Prime has the dual laser projection system and the Atmos system and all that kind of stuff. It also has the leather reclining seats, you know, really well laid out theater. So the AMC Prime without Dolby still has the leather reclining motorized seats, great spacing, beautiful, wonderful viewing experience. But the Dolby Cinema and AMC Prime has that plus the dual laser projection system. So if you got to pick one and they're both open to you, go for the Dolby. Go for the AMC Prime Dolby. That's the better experience. All right. But they're both great. You can't go wrong. All right. Uh, Julian Mott writes, Woo! Von Miller to the Bills, baby. I, I got really excited to see that. And I get to see The Godfather in theaters this weekend. What nice. a time to be alive. I was really surprised. So Von Miller goes to the LA Rams for six minutes wins a Super Bowl, and then heads over to who could win the next Super Bowl in the Buffalo Bills. It's a good time to be Von Miller. And and he signed, like, what, a six-year, was it a six-year $20 million contract or some huge, ridiculous number for a defensive player at his age? Good for him, man. Good for him. All right, Anish writes, winning time is fantastic. I still haven't watched episode two. It's You're going to love it. I got to get on. I'll get on that oh, today. Yeah, I keep forgetting about it. I really appreciate that some shots look like they shot it with a camera from the 70s and love Jason Clark as Jerry West. The Jerry West character, I've only seen one episode, is so good. You know, I so read good. that one of their technical advisors on the show quit because they didn't appreciate his portrayal of Jerry West really yeah there's an article about it i'm like it's the show is so heightened anyway but john c Riley, as dr bus dude i want to grow up and be him dude so i want to be his, i want to be i want to be bus as, I mean, 
He's my, he might be my favorite character on television other than Captain Kirk. I'll tell you what, I was watching, uh, you know, I do a lot of YouTube surfing and I came across this great video of uh, my favorite poker player of all time is Daniel Negreanu. So there's this po poker clip up of Daniel Negreanu busting out Phil Hellmuth. So I'm like, I'm going to watch that. But in that game with them playing was Dr. Jerry Buss. <laughs> And Buss was like talking and being funny and all this kind of stuff. It's like he played a lot of poker. Jerry Buss played a he lot of poker. He just looks like the, the most games. fun man of all time. Yeah, yeah, he really does. <laughs> at all right. least in the show. At least in the show he does. But on these poker videos, he does too. All right, where are we at here? Attack of the Mushi writes, I love how Marvel retroactively makes older films better. The Dark, uh, the dark World, Age of Ultron, uh, maybe The Amazing Spider-Man 2, hard, uh, hard maybe on that one. Um, I don't know that they actually make older films better. Like they well, can give them more relevance. Like age of, first of all, number one, I always think age of Ultron is an underrated film. I love it. Um, and the more I watch it, the more I appreciate it. Does, does it have some quirks to it? Yes. But they're all, like, one of my favorite moments in any MCU movie ever was in, was when black widow was talking to, to banner at the party. Yeah, and I, I might be getting a couple of the words wrong here, but basically she goes, you know, I knew this guy who was always willing to jump into the fight and, and, and jump into the fray. But then I met this guy who always ran away from the fight because he knew he'd win. And she's taught, and like, when you understand everything going on under the surface and that very odd matching, which by the way, I think is one of the biggest mistakes Marvel ever made is not pursuing that relationship. Because I fell in love. What's what's the phrase? Ship? I shipped that relationship. The moment I saw that, and she's talking to Banner, and the way she describes it, it made it all seem like perfect sense. Like, at first you think, Black Widow and Dr. Banner? No. But then when she's describing and telling that story, and then I meet this guy who runs away from the fight because he knows he'll win. All of a sudden... You're thinking about everything that happened in the first Avengers movie when she was the one that had to go and reach out to him and get him to come in and all that kind of stuff. And like the way they just threw that relationship away, I always thought was a waste. Totally a waste. But I don't know that Marvel's future films make their older films better, to be honest. They still are what they are, I think. <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, I think that, that further situations and things give them more resonance. You yeah, know, and look... give them more narrative importance. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Next up, we got Elizabeth Gerardo who writes, update on special features. When you purchase No Way Home on Apple, it was a struggle finding them, but they are there. Not sure how long they are, but I'm glad I own the movie. I haven't heard anybody. First of all, Elizabeth, thank you for putting that in for anybody who might be struggling with them, but I haven't heard any reports of people struggling to find the special features attached to the Apple purchase. Have you heard of any, Rob? No. I mean, I know that there's special features, but I haven't heard any problems or anything. Now, of like course, that. I can tell you exactly what Robert Meyer Burnett will say next. You know where you won't have a problem finding the special features? On the physical media copies of it. I mean, that's... That, that's exactly it, what I was going to say. Was I wrong? <laughs> Sony puts that out, and Sony always does a great job with those discs. I haven't watched... I mean, I saw a couple of the leaked special features, but I haven't seen the full... I got to watch that. Yeah. I haven't bought the movie yet. I got to buy the movie. And West Side Story. I do, do they have a good special features on La, that? Laurent Bozero did a whole documentary in the making. Very it. cool. Can definitely get that. All right. That. Thank you for sending that you know, in, Elizabeth. You've got and a PlayStation everybody... 5. Yeah. Them, Come on. And thanks for giving everybody that update, Elizabeth. All right. Uh, Nikita Mohanan writes, one of two. Hey, John and Rob, please do a review of the outfit uh, as one of your main topics for tomorrow's show. It's been getting stellar reviews from nearly... 
Nope. Okay. Um. Uh, now this is a this is the, uh, the Mark Rylance the Mark movie, Rylance movie that we talked about yesterday with Zoe Deutsch. It looks great. I, I'm not going to see it. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. It's not that I'm not going to see it. Period. I'm not going to see it by tomorrow. No. So me we, neither. We definitely won't be able to review it tomorrow. But at some and you know what? I'll be straight up with you. We're probably not going to review it. Uh, because generally I have a uh, a rule that if we can't review a movie within like two or three days that it comes out there's no point in us reviewing it so we probably won't, but i'm sure we'll talk about it sometime yeah because we both love mark uh, rylance it's right up my alley too yeah. so all right next up uh hoop suny writes hey guys some of my favorite movies are the horrible boss movies even the second one what are your thoughts and would you want to see another one i love the first horrible boss me too movie. love it um i remember i got to get together with the three leads uh, the three guys in Vegas. I got to get together with them, sit down, chat with them for a while. It was, I love that movie. Number two, not so much. It reminded me a lot of like, I don't know why great comedies have a really hard time with their sequel. Like uh, Analyze This was great. Analyze That, not so much. Uh, Arthur Two on the Rocks. Arthur Two on the Rocks is one that history has tried to forget. <laughs> oh, then uh, the Hangover Part Two. I didn't think it sucked, but it didn't come anywhere near the standard of the first one. And Horrible Bosses. I, I'll be honest with you; I'm not really interested in, in a third one. You, Rob? No. Yeah, but I love that first one, dude. Love it. All right, next up, uh, Walid Haji writes: Hollywood char- uh, changing posters for China? Um, no. I mean. I, I don't know if you knew this. Every country has every country forever has always had various versions of different posters and things like that. So they're not changing posters for China. I mean, it, it, that's a standard thing, Rob. Has it not been? Yeah, for like forever? yeah every country has different. Uh, but yeah, they have removed certain people from American versions of the posters when they go to China. But again, I, I don't really know that there's a story here because every country has their own kind of Absolutely. different versions of the posters anyway. All right, Michael Cro- Croissant writes, Happy St. Patrick's Day from Belfast. Thank you, sir. Do you guys celebrate St. Patty's? Have you ever visited slash wanted to visit Ireland? Listen, I have wanted to visit Ireland for a very long time. I'm not going to lie. It's mostly due to the fact that U2 is my all-time favorite band. So like when I was play- playing in U2 cover bands back in high school in the, my early college days, I've always wanted to visit Ireland. Uh, I never have. Now, I haven't celebrated St. Paddy's Day since I moved to the States, really. Like in, in Hamilton, St. Paddy's Day is actually a pretty big deal up in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'd always go to Solanches. That was a big bar there. Solanches for St. Paddy's Day. It's actually it's really tough in Hamilton to get into a bar on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, even here in L.A., I mean, St. Patrick's Day can be a big deal. I've got a bit of Irish blood in me. And, I've dude, I've wanted to go you know, to Ireland my whole life. To meet a nice redhead. My dream, though, one day, John, is to walk across all of Ireland and go to every single distillery. That would be a long trip. Uh, yeah, I want to take a year. That's a it's a long trip. And just wander around Ireland and drink every whiskey that I could find. <laughs> Sample right. the whole country. Next up, <clears throat> BJ writes, Happy St. Paddy's Day. Thank you so much for that, BJ. Happy St. Paddy's Day to you as well. Anish writes, Movie club suggestions. Rush Hour? No. Independence Day? Maybe. Men in Black? Possibly. The Matrix? Definitely. The Truman Show? Maybe. Unbreakable? Maybe. Ferris Bueller's Day's Off? No. The Sandlot? No. I, I mean, I like all those movies, but like 
it's got to fall under a certain, it's got to fit a certain amount of criteria. A lot of those films don't, but I do like all those movies. But I think we can definitely say The Matrix will be one of those. For sure. For sure will absolutely be one of those, Anish. And I love The Sandlot. You're killing me, Smalls. Diego writes, I think Shazam 2 can be the next Jumanji at the box office. Nah. Nah. If, if that were true, Shazam 1 would have been it. Because Jumanji, I mean, but it's a sequel to the... Well, it's not really a sequel. I mean, look, <laughs> in terms of box office, it was really, really, really good, maybe. But well, it is really good. No, but I mean the sequel that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think the sequel can do better than the original one did. I do too, for sure. Fingers crossed. Uh, I hope it's as good as the original. I love the original. I love the first Shazam movie. I think it's great. Uh, but I cannot see it get, like snuggling up to the billion dollar mark like jumanji did yeah, I, no. I just don't see it happen I, I mean i would love it i would totally love it if it did but i just don't see it happening all right casey mack writes of all these clips of moon knight keeps coming out uh all these clips of moon knight keep coming out and i just try to avoid them it's going to be like that for dr strange 2 as well i mean i i respect that i do i i don't really care i like i can watch that clip and it's not going to take anything away from my viewing experience. We're a month and a half away from Doctor Strange. We, we are in the. We're now in literally in the weeks. It's no longer months. We're not counting down by months anymore. We're now in the weeks counting down. <laughs> and how 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 many days now till uh, Moon Knight? Till Moon Knight. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't 13. know it off the top of your head. Thirteen. Thirteen days away. It's a very exciting time. All right. Next up. Uh, thanks for that, Casey. Christopher. Uh, e. G. Uh, Bunike writes, uh, over under 30%, we get a 50 shades or euphoria Easter egg in Madam Web. Zero. Yeah, yeah. no, nah, they. I, I just don't. That's not a, a Marvel thing or a Marvel <laughs> property. And they, they generally don't do that in their movies at all. Right? Like, we yeah, didn't. No. We never got a Sherlock Holmes, as far as I know, as far as I recognize, we never got a Sherlock Holmes Easter egg in Doctor Strange. We never. So it's just not something they seem to do. So I really doubt they would do it for either of those properties. All right, Amin writes, uh, one of two. Got my Star Wars Celebration tickets the other day. First time going. Nice. We'll be there Saturday and Sunday. I know you guys mentioned you'd be planning on going. Uh, so, and so, and if you do a meet and greet there, can you try to do it on either Saturday or Sunday, please? Yeah, I'm not sure I'll be doing a meet and greet there. Like, Ann and I got our tickets well over a year ago. Because we got our tickets for the pre for what was supposed to be Star Wars Celebration, then right. when it got bumped, they honored our tickets for now. So we have our tickets, and we, Anne and I, will be at the Anaheim Convention Center for Star Wars Celebration on Saturday. It's the Saturday we'll be there, uh, but I do not think I'm going to plan a meet and greet because people are not going to Star Wars Celebration to see me; they're going to see celebrate Star Wars. Um, well, John, you did meet and greets at Comic Con. <laughs> That's because everybody knows people go to Comic Con to meet me. Uh, Star Wars Celebration is <laughs> Star Wars Celebration might be a little bit different. So, uh, Rob, did you get tickets? To I did not. They were a tough not. ticket to get. They were. It's hard to get them because they were they 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 put them on for the the rest on sale on March fifteenth, and they sold out immediately. I when I heard the tickets went on sale, I'm like, oh god, we're screwed because I totally forgot to get tickets for this year. And then Anne reminded me, uh, we already have our tickets because we bought them well over a year ago. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. So yes, but uh, I'll be there. So if you're going to be at, uh, if you are going to be at Star Wars Celebration on the Saturday, keep your eyes open for me. Please come and say hi. If you I might go hang out at the bar, one of the hotels. Uh, maybe I'll come meet it's you. it's always a party. Yeah, always, all the way around the, uh, the convention center. Totally is. All right, next up. Amar Marcellus writes, 
showed my stepson uh, all Star Wars movies. He loves the universe, but he asked me why no one remembered Anakin Skywalker 20 years later when a guy named Luke Skywalker showed up. Hey, man, how many? It is one many, of the weird questions about Star Wars. How many Smiths are there in the universe? A lot more than Skywalkers <laughs> on Tatooine in that town. It is one of the weirder questions. It is. Uh, it's hard to get around that. Hey, one. come on. Anakin lived in like Moss Espa, you know. Still. It's a different Moss. Ossiasley is different. Still. Still. I mean, I don't know if Watto's still alive in the time of the uh, of the original films. Mm, Skywalker. Why have I heard that name? Yeah, I, I think. It, yeah, it, it's it's a big thing. All right. Next up. Taki 75 writes, Batman was meh for me. The dark, drab, humorless superhero movies aren't my cup of tea. I saw it with a friend who dozed off after one hour. And listen, th that's that's the key, what you said right there, Taki. It's not for everybody. Like when you make a movie that is as stylized as this one is, in as much as that's going to appeal a lot to certain people, it means you're moving away from appealing to other people. No film is for everybody, and the Batman is definitely not for everybody. I mean, that's one of the first things we said when we came out of the movie the first time was like, man, we loved it, but it's not for everybody. And so, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that at all, Tacky, and there's nothing wrong with that, dude. It's not a movie for everybody, and guess what? No movie is for everybody, so if it didn't work for you, didn't work for you, no problem. All right, Tim Platt writes, Love Guru, uh, Love Guru did to Mike Myers what Misha Tate and Amanda Nunez did to Ronda Rousey. Uh, hope he comes back strong. He has, uh, he has been missed. Misha Tate? No, yeah, yeah. He, he just wrote and said he had a brain fart. He meant Holly Holm. Okay, Holly Holm. I was gonna say, uh, she beat up Misha Tate a couple of times. I'm like Misha Tate. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, honestly, Ronda Rousey. As great as Amanda Nunez is, and she is great, what Ronda Rousey did and the way she dominated that division, I'd say is even more impressive than what Amanda Nunez did. Because Amanda Nunez was in some wars. When Ronda Rousey was dominant, nobody touched her. Like, nobody came close. Like, Ronda Rousey didn't have a Valentina Shashenko who, like who like was he's right there step and step with Amanda how Nunez. much she wrestling no do the two of you actually watch this isn't wrestling this MMA. is this is UFC. mma wrestling UFC. i watch it all <laughs> I was gonna say, I, you guys have an inside i thought i knew a lot about star trek but the two of you have an encyclopedic knowledge of mma wrestling all of it well ray's the one with the encyclopedic knowledge of wrestling wow uh but i, I mean i just trained with with uh I, I mean like going back to when i first moved to la the very first thing I did when I moved into L.A. was I Legends MMA had just opened up. And that was owned by the legendary mixed martial artist Boz Rudin and Captain America himself and who became the oldest UFC champion in history. And I got to train there and and that was like when i first moved to la like well over a decade i mean i used to train um in hamilton ontario yes but when i so i got a little bit more serious with it when i moved to la but i have been ever since i was living in hamilton me and my buddies we started watching ufc at ufc 2 
is when we started watching. And once we watched UFC 2, we got the VHS tape of UFC 1, got caught up, and then watched it. So we watched it all the way through the era of Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock and... Yeah, uh, you know all these guys who came in when when there were no weight classes, when there were wow. no rules, and then we watched the sport evolve and stuff like that. So, yeah, I watch I watch everything when it comes to MMA. Everything when it comes to MMA. Anyway, uh, next up, we've got uh, that was Tim Cash writes. Hey, John and crew, happy St. Patrick's Day. In honor of the holiday, I was wondering if you guys had any St. Patrick's Day theme movie recommendations. I don't know off the top of my head. Do you have any? Uh, recommendations for stuff like that well you know anything to do with the boston mob the departed <laughs> that's my saint patrick's day recommendation the departed um you know or, or maybe watch a movie from ireland like something like i don't know the field or my left foot or in the name of the father oh my left foot's a good one my left foot's a really good one Okay, uh, let's see. We move on. Next up, hold on a second. I'm just trying to bring something up here. Uh, there we go. Next up, we have. Where are we? Uh, we already did a minute. Okay, Purple Queen writes Hey, John, are you and Anne going to do more vlogs? You guys make a cute couple. You know, it's funny. I was just going through some of the old. Because we started for a bit, we did three John and Anne vlogs. And they were really fun and they got decent views. I just. I just ran out of time doing it because Anne is also extremely busy. You know, she's a big wig at her. She's always a big wig at whatever company she's working with. And it's always been how, but you know what? I think I'm going to bring it up with Anne today to see if we should do some more vlogs. I think I would very much like to do that. Thanks for bringing that up. Purple queen. All right. Chase. Oh, all of us writes. Hey, John and crew found your show in February and have been hooked ever since. Well, thank you so much. And by the way, you tipped in like a $20 super chat. Thank you for that. Chase. Uh, have, have my Merbius, probably mean Morbius, ticket ready. Uh, keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much. And listen, Chase, you and me both, man. I got my Morbius tickets the moment those things dropped. I am so excited for Morbius. And I know not everybody is, like Chris Carr. <laughs> Chris Carr, not so excited about Morbius. I know there's a lot of you guys not so excited about Morbius. But me, I'm, hey, look, it could be terrible. It might be awful, Chase. But I'm going in there with high expectations. I think the trailers will look great. I think the clips they've shown will look great. And I am very excited about it. And hopefully you and I, Chase, have a great time at it. All right, next up. Mr. Hank Dunn writes, Would you erase the Batman to get Affleck's uh, Batman movie? Uh, I would, even though I love the Batman. Yes. Now, fortunately, we live in a world where we don't have to do that. Right. But And I loved the Batman. I loved that movie. But y'all know how I feel about Ben Affleck as Batman. He's my guy. Um, and so, yes, as much as it pains me, if I could hit a button to erase the Batman and exchange, I get the Ben Affleck Batman movie. I think I'd probably press the button if I I don't know, Rob, what about you? Would you would you hit that button? Dude, if I could see Slade Wilson as Deathstroke, the Terminator take on Ben Affleck's Batman. I would erase the Batman tomorrow, the next day and every other day of the week. Yeah, I th and again, that does not take away at all from how much we love this movie. No, I, I just love I wanted movie. to see Batman versus Slade Wilson so bad. Now I can see it on my action figure shelf, but it's not the same. <laughs> nope, not the same. Not all right, same. next up, we got Hans, who writes, 
Um, hey guys, what are the odds that Brie Larson's Captain Marvel shows up at the end of Ms. Marvel, either in the episode and post credits? I listen, I don't like saying this because nothing is guaranteed. I'll say 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah, 100%. There's, there's no doubt, right? There's absolutely no <laughs> doubt. Sorry. What do you got there? I'm just showing. What does Master Chief have to do? <laughs> I said 100%. No. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, because we got, because number one, Captain Marvel is, uh, Kamala's hero. Number two, you know Kamala's going to be in the Marvels. I I can't see any possibility that Carol Danvers doesn't show up. I I see no possibility that she doesn't show up. Rob, what about you? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, no doubts. All right. Next up, we've get uh, Colin Z who writes. I pay Netflix $20 for four simultaneous streams. It shouldn't matter if the streams are outside my house as long as it doesn't violate the limit. Wrong, Collins, because it specifies in the user agreement that it is in the house. That is the deal. That's specifically what the deal is. That's what you signed up for. You can't say what somebody else should or should not do with their stuff. You, you 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 have you and I have no right to do that. I, I don't it doesn't matter if you pay a hundred bucks a month for Netflix. It's your choice to sign up for the service. It's my choice to sign up for the service. And if the user agreement says you get to stream it up to first of all, that's incredibly great of them because a lot of like they could easily say you can only be your account can only stream once at a time. The very fact that they say in your household, you can have four different people in your house streaming from it at the same time in four different rooms in your house. That's great. That is great of them to do. But it specifies in the user agreement in your household. That's what you signed up for. That's what I signed up for. There is no argument to be made. There is no logical argument to me that says I should be able to let my friends just use it for free. I should be able to take what belongs to Netflix and let other people take it for free. I should be able to give away Netflix's stuff. No. No. So I get, like, I get what you're saying, Collins, that yes, in the agreement, it says I can stream up to four devices in my household, but you can't point out one and they should ignore the other. That's always been a part of the agreement. That's the deal. You get our service and you, you can, everybody in your house gets to use it. Up to four people can use it at the same time. For one price. But it's got to be in your household. You can't just be giving it away to other people because in, in that in doing that, you are stealing our customers. You're stealing from us. It, there's there's just no other way around it. I don't know, Rob, but what would you how would you respond? I, to that? I, I you said it exactly right. I mean, the the that's but this is a problem. We you know, we now live in a modern age where if you don't have something that's tangible that you can hold in your hands, files you know, files are all digital. You're getting, you're, you're streaming something from the ether. There's an, I think there's a perception that it's not real, that somehow it's, oh, it's a file. It's just a stream from somewhere, but it isn't. I mean, somebody had to make those movies. Somebody had to make those documentaries and all those shows that we all love and they have to be paid for. It's that's the thing. Look, when something, and I'm, I'm going to go back and use John Schnepp as an example, because you brought him up earlier. When somebody makes something with the intention of selling it for sale so they can make money. And hopefully then make use that money to make something to else. To make something else. But when somebody makes something with the intention of it being for sale, and you take that something 
and give it and let other people have access to it for free, you are stealing from that person. I remember John Schnepp telling us about that, you know, he made his movie, Death of Superman Lives What Happened. And he would say with like sadness in his eyes. See, these guys would come up to me at convention, whatever, say, oh man, I got your, I, I uh, torrented your movie, man. It was so great. Like, like, do you, you do realize, Schnepp would say, that you ruined me. Like they come up to me saying as if it's some good thing, like I should be grateful that they torrented my movie. But all you guys who pirated John Schnepp's movie, you came this close to ruining him. And, and I mean that literally. You came this close to bankrupting him and ruining him and causing him an amazing amount of stretch that made him question about whether he even wanted to be a content creator anymore because people just took the years of work and money that he, he maxed borrowed out every money. Card. He had investors. He maxed out every card. He borrowed money to make that damn thing. And then people stole it and thought that was cool. He, and they nearly ruined it. I went to lunch with him once and he told me how many millions of like six million downloads or something because he was watching. Yeah. And he's like, imagine if free downloads... Imagine if I had, I had a, a 10% of that, if somebody, of all those 6 million people, if 10% had paid me, I could do the series that he never got to complete. He, there was so much work he could have done. But, you know, and this was our community. That's what, that's what hurt him the most. It was us. It was us well, fellow That's geeks. why he felt hurt by it. He goes, this is my community. This fan community that John Schnepp had like dedicated so much of his life to, and they were his people and all this kind of stuff, and they're the ones that almost ruined him. And it was heartbreak. He, his heart was broken over. It, it was really broken. hurt him a he, lot. But that's that same principle. You say, well, John, you know, Netflix isn't isn't John Schnepp. True, but the principle remains. When you make something with the intention that I am creating this so I can offer it to people for sale, and you find a way to usurp that and either take it for free or give it away to other people for free, you are stealing from that person or that organization. And it is what it is. And listen, I, I get it. Paying 20 bucks seems like it's steep for something. But when you consider what Netflix gives us, the sheer volume of content they have, and how many hours a month you probably are on watching Netflix, it probably works down to literally cents a day. Cents a day and it's still a pretty good value proposition the but the great british baking show alone john <laughs> justifies my netflix subscription for a year <laughs> yeah oh well at any rate let's let's keep going on we still got a bunch of questions to get through here um anyway colin so clearly Collins, i completely disagree i think you're missing a big part of that but i appreciate you sharing your point of view and uh and i'm glad you're here man all right next up uh late night alum writes A24's Everything Everywhere All at Once got my tickets for it. Dude. Uh, drops tonight and I'll be there. Heard it was originally written for Jackie Chan. Uh, is it on your radar? Dude, we've been gushing about this movie gushing. ever since the trailer dropped. And Anne and I, Anne immediately, she was keeping an eye on it. Immediately the moment those tickets came on sale, she snapped up our tickets for it. <laughs> you Woo. mean Michelle Yeoh and the Multiverse of Madness? Oh. <laughs> and, and I didn't realize that the guy playing her husband is short round. Is short round. <laughs> I had no idea. Apparently, that there is time for love, Dr. Jones. <laughs> ah, that's good. So, yeah, I'm ludicrously excited to see this, man. All right. Brian Sander writes, 
Good morning, my favorite YouTube crew. Good morning, Brian. So they should have released Moon Knight tomorrow. They should have released Moon Knight tomorrow, the 18th, because it's going to be a full moon. <laughs> hey, but listen, but Moon Knight's emblem is not a full moon. Yeah. It's a quarter moon. It's the, the little thumbnail. It's the crescent moon. It's the crescent moon. That's the, the quarter term. scale moon. It's the one quarter scale moon. That's right. <laughs> that doesn't make sense at That's all. That's right. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I can see what you're saying there, Brian. All right. Next up, uh, Purple Haze 4564 writes, Hey crew, another question. So why in the world is it possible with DC that we can get a Flash and Superman on TV, but not a damn live action Batman on the CW? Please help educate me, John and crew. Well, here's the thing. For the very longest time, for many years, Warner Brothers had a straight-up rule. You do not have Superman, Wonder Woman, or Batman on the television. The properties were too valuable. We cannot risk diminishing the IP. Because the rarest things are the more valuable things. And as Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman were their most valuable properties, they had a rule for a very long time, you cannot touch these three on television. We got to protect their value. And you risk devaluing those characters once you put them on TV. And I will tell you, Superman's IP has been devalued. It has been devalued. It's not as special anymore. Batman is the last Batman and Wonder Woman are the last ones they've got. You you suddenly start just throwing Batman on TV. Number one, it ain't going to be done with Batman level quality. And you're going to devalue the IP. And you also increase the chances of it being done badly and it being not looking cheaper and all that kind of stuff. You keep Batman on the big screen exclusively. You protect the IP and you protect its value. Now, you can say, well, we sort of had Batman in Titans and we sort of had Batman because what's the name? I, I'm freezing on the name of the guy who does the voice of Batman in the animated classics. Uh, Kevin Conroy. Kevin Con Conroy. Kevin Conroy did appear in that one CW crossover thing as an older Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah, but, but really they've been protecting Batman. I think they're going to break down and eventually do it, though. But. If the Batman proves any, if the movie The Batman proves anything, you should protect Batman and keep him on the big screen. I don't know, Rob, what do you think about that? Whole no, thing? I agree. I mean, look, the Christopher Nolan, they, they, they finally crossed a billion dollars. You know, I mean, a TV show, that's uh, you could do a Batman show, but a billion dollars plus you, you can't you can't deny that. That's a lot of money. No TV show is going to garner you that much cash. And I agree, John. I mean, look at what they did with Superman when he was on Supergirl. They jobbed him, as you said. Yeah. He was jobbed. And Diminished. the value of that character became less. Diminished. It's been diminished, and it hasn't been re re recuperated. So I don't want them to do with Batman. At least I hope they don't. Again, but they used to have the rule with Super cover Superman 1. They lifted the rule for Superman, and look what the result was. It ain't been anything good. I'm just saying. All right. Anyway, next up, Ty Burton writes. I saw Batman again last night, and they are still showing that coming in 2022 promo for DC movies. Actually, they played it twice in a row before the movie on top of the half hour of previews. Yeah, they got to fix that. Because <laughs> obviously, you guys, for those of you who've seen the Batman, you know the promo. The promo they made for the Batman, Flash, uh, uh, Aquaman, and Black, did I ever say Black, Black Adam? Adam? And Black Adam, that's the fourth one. So there's four. Coming in 2022. 
three of them ain't coming in 2022 anymore. So they do got to fix that, but they still want to promote those movies. But it is funny, Ty, that you're still seeing that in the theater. Thanks for writing that in, man. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's part two of Nikita that came in like way later. But anyway, to everyone with some calling it well-crafted, smart but subdued, not period gangster thriller with some Hitchcock inspired. Oh, I think he's talking That's about the outfit. outfit. Right, the outfit. Yeah, again, we're both very excited, Nikita, to see the outfit. Again, we love the casting of it, uh, but we're probably not going to do a full review of it, but we'll probably chat about it sometime in some way. All right, Elizabeth Gerardo writes, in what order do we need to watch the Star Wars movie series for Kenobi? You, Four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine. You only need to watch the original trilogy, and you're fine. <laughs> Just watch the original trilogy. That's come on, always, no, that's come on. Bad. You have to watch. You have to watch. It probably would be beneficial to, to watch, watch Attack of the Clones and Sith. To watch the least offensive of the prequels, which is Revenge of the Sith. That that's the one prequel that has got some things going for it. Uh, no anyway that's the one thing that that's one got some things going for it <laughs> that's not one of them but i would say just you're you're good if you just watch the original trilogy and then watch revenge of the sith i think then you're totally set up for what you need like some would say well you know the the inquisitors are then introduced in rebels and i like rebels very much but i don't think you need to watch rebels in order to watch this so i think you're going to be okay i think you'd be okay just watch the original trilogy and then that one that's my guess at any rate. All right. Uh, Jerome writes, what shows have you finished lately? Uh, uh, TV shows are just a jumble to me. What, the Expanse. Yeah, the Expanse. the Expanse. Yeah. Um, season four of Star Trek Discovery. Um, that finished. What, what else I finish? I can't remember what I finished. What What have we finished or what are we watching? What have we finished? Oh, no. Everything, <laughs> everything. Because I, I know I just finished a couple, but everything just blurs together for I me. I finished nothing. No, Yellowstone, no. but that wasn't exactly recently. But I, I mean, but it's coming back. But I caught up on Yellowstone. I caught 1883, up. Uh, I did. Yeah, you know. Invasion. I finished Invasion. Woo. You, you, wait a minute. You who sleep through everything, you watched all of Invasion? Oh, yeah. And also for all mankind. Season one and two. Well, yeah, so the season two. Is, but dude, invasion, space and aliens, baby. But you, space and but aliens. You, that was even I, who can sit through Tarkovsky movies and love them. Invasion was what? I cool. thought it was good. All right, I liked we, it. Need, we need to keep going okay. here, guys. Next up, Patrick Conway writes. Um, I I have no idea what that says. Uh, what's your favorite Irish film? I I mean, Belfast is awesome. <laughs> Belfast is awesome. Uh, I I don't know what qualifies as an Irish film. I just I just I couldn't tell you. Like you somebody know? asked me that once, like, hey, what's your famous? What's your favorite like UK film? And it's like, well, I know movies that take place in the UK, but I don't know what is considered a UK film. All I know is I recently, not so recent, but I saw Belfast a while ago, and I love Belfast. You well, got an answer for that, Rob? I just well, I was thinking about it in the name of the Father because people were asking about about. But isn't that you a Hollywood what? Film? What my favorite Irish movie is lately. Sing Street. Sing Street Sing is Street great. Sing Street and yeah. once. Go for that double bill, man. You want you want to, you want to feel good about life? Sing Street. Learn the riddle of the model. There you go. Uh both amazing. I still prefer Belfast over those, but those are both amazing. Dude, Dude Sing really Street. Really oh. <laughs> Sing Street's really great. All right, Fifi writes. Hey team, what are your thoughts on Disney trying to purchase anime like My Hero Academia for Disney Plus? It's uh, is adding anime to Disney a good investment? Are, are you saying theoretically should they do that? Or, or is Disney actually trying to purchase My Hero Academia? I mean, they brought Miyazaki's movies like 
Princess Mononoke and uh, uh, Howl's Moving Castle. You know, they brought and they they did the uh, American animation uh, dialogue tracks for those. And I would my guess is they don't need it. No, they I, they, they don't I, need it. I think it would be cool just to have a different section. Like they want to expand their library so more people can find something to watch. I think it's a good idea, oh, if, even if they just get the good ones. Also, there other services, isn't there other services that already kind of have the market cornered yeah. on with that content? So you'd be trying to introduce this new thing, but it's going to be better. But you'd automatically be adding a new thing that is inferior to another thing that's already out there. But let's say they D Disney Plus is the only place that has My Hero Academia, and it's taken off all the other things. Yeah. Also, I mean... There's value to that. It's kind of an approve, uh, an approve. Like if Disney deems this uh, animated show worthy, yeah, yeah, of it's, buying. it's like an endorsement. Like, yeah, yeah, and that's why they they put out the Miyazaki stuff. I as, mean, I would love to see that. As long as they don't touch the animes and let them keep doing what they're doing, like don't interfere with the making of them or the the style or whatever, then I'm fine with that. Do you you know we're talking about Disney, right? I know, which is what what would be the scary part. All right, next up. Uh, a. Marcellus writes, I have loved all live action Batman except for Clooney. But if you were to point a gun to my head and ask, uh, ask me what my definitive Batman is, I would say the animated series and Mask of the Phantasm. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the animated series. I really do. I, I, I mean, I've, I watched that thing when I was a kid. I, and Mask of the Phantasm, I always bring up that, you know, all DC and Marvel straight to home video stuff is shit, except. Mask of the Phantasm, which doesn't really count because that was theatrical. Released. Right. That was theatrical released. I love these things. Has a great score by Shirley Walker, too. And I'm a big fan of animation. You know this. But they're not the Dark Knight. They're not They're not Nolan's Dark Knight. They're not as good as that. They just aren't. Well, it's and a, they're it's not. And I even think I, would, I put the Batman above them as well. I mean, it's very different. It's a very different Batman in those things. But, I mean, I, I think, like, the Dark Knight, um, obviously, the Batman. I, I think these are just in a different league. But that's just me. Yeah, but it's also a different medium. It's hard it to is. compare yep. and contrast. Yeah, it is. You know? But, there, I mean, look, the Batman animated series is groundbreaking. It's terrific. And Mass of the Phantasm is an adjunct of that. It's great stuff. All right. Next up, uh, we've got... Uh, Gary Madigan who writes happy St. Patrick's Day guys thank you so much Gary and happy St. Patrick's Day to you Remember Bulldog writes have you seen a new clip for Moon Knight it truly gives me horror vibes and yes we did we talked about that off the top the cinematography is gorgeous it's beautiful it's dark yet vibrant at the same time and just get a little horror glimpses in there it looked really good Remember uh, Rachel Knight online writes when Spider-Man Homecoming proved to be a success for both Sony and Disney, why didn't Universal try to get a similar deal done for Hulk movies? Because two things. Disney isn't interested in it. Disney's not interested. Look, they had to make a deal with Sony. That was it. Spider-Man is arguably the most popular Marvel character. Right? I mean, it, maybe that's not even arguably. Maybe it's just definitive. Spider-Man is Marvel's most popular character. Period. And if they wanted to use him, they had to make a deal with Sony. There was no way around it. But they don't want to have that deal again with anybody. They do not want to be in a position where 
they only have some of the rights or they can only do some of the things or they have to let somebody else be the distributor because that means you're giving up most of the money. Yeah, absolutely not. And Hulk is not, while he's one of my favorites, he's not Spider-Man level popular, so they don't have to. And Disney's made it very clear. They don't want to enter into a deal again where somebody else gets to be the distributor. They don't want that. They've got it with Sony because they have to. But they don't have to with Hulk and they don't have to because they're using Hulk a lot in the MCU and they don't need him to have standalone films. They did standalone films with Hulk and neither of them ended up being all that successful. So it's not about why doesn't Universal, it's about why doesn't Disney and that's why Disney doesn't. Universal is more than happy to make a deal with Marvel. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, you go, you make those Hulk standalone movies and we're the distributor because they have the distribution rights to the title. Let's go. It's Disney saying, no, we don't want to do that. And Universal's like, well, tough. We're going to hold on to the rights. We got, it doesn't cost us anything. We have the rights forever until you make us an absolute offer we cannot refuse, which is a number that's bigger than Marvel is willing to spend. So yeah, the question is not, why doesn't Universal make a deal? Universal's more than happy to distribute a Disney-made Hulk movie. Yep. It's that Disney doesn't want to make a Hulk movie if it means another company gets to distribute. And for Universal, they have no reason to give it up. Well, why doesn't Universal just give it back to, to, to Sony? Or why don't they just give it back to Disney? If you were holding something of great value, would you just give it to somebody for what you it think is lesser friends, value? It ain't John. What's it? What is it, Rob? If it's, it's show business. It's show business. That's what Bob Sugar said, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> it ain't show friends. It's show business. So, yes, the question is not why doesn't Universal. The question is why doesn't Disney? And that's why Disney doesn't. So who knows when they're going to break that stalemate? All right. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. One of the greatest songs of all time. Uh, have you seen Jonah Hill's movie Mid-90s? I did. Uh, I thought Jonah Hill did a great job directing that movie and would love to see him direct another film. Yeah, it was. I mean. He directed this week's Winning Time. I didn't know that. Yeah. Did he really? Yeah. Good he for directed, him. I know. And it makes sense because of, you know, Adam McKay and that. But he directed this week's Winning Time. He did a heck of a job, too. Yeah, he could be. And it's funny because we just watched Django Unchained and seen Django. Uh, like, like the way Jonah Hill has been able to evolve his career, because he was just, and listen, this is just the way the industry looked at him. Oh, the fat, funny guy who you could use as, for a joke here and there and something for a while, right? He has become a multi-Oscar-nominated actor, director, producer. I mean, he has really made an incredible career, for, and it's only getting bigger. And the people he's worked with, too. He's yeah. worked with, I mean, worked his way up. Uh, Scorsese. Scorsese is right there. He's incredible in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, he's and he got an Academy Award nomination for that. And he was incredible in Moneyball. Oh, which he also got an Academy Award nomination so for. He's so good. That, that movie's great. Yeah, I love Moneyball. All right, next up. Uh, Pablo Zuinga writes, following up on Sony versus uh, Blackmagic cameras, uh, the new Sony cameras don't have rec record limits. Most Sony, These ones don't either. Most don't. Uh, A7 4 A7S three, and on the cheaper side, the A7C. You can even put them uh, on crop mode HD so it fits your current uh, APS-C lenses. Yes, but record limit isn't the problem. The problem with these Sony cameras is overheating. Um, because all of my, because I have all Sony A-series cameras in here, and they all overheat if I don't turn the fan on. Uh, for each single camera I have, I have to have, let's, let me see if I can, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a real cheap out thing here. I'm going to take a picture of what the camera is, and then I'll put the picture on screen. So hold on a second. Let me get a, 
Let me get a picture of this. Okay, now let me bring up the picture and hold it up to the camera. Okay, do you see this? Let me see if it'll focus. There it is. That's my camera looking at me. That's my Sony a7 with a uh, prime Sigma lens on it. See that fan? Every single one of my cameras, I have to have a fan like that hooked up behind it, blowing on the exposed back of the camera. And when I don't do that, you've seen what happens with Chris Carr's cameras when I forget to turn on the phone. Halfway through the show, the camera turns off. And that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. It's not about record limits. It's about overheating. Now, these cameras were not meant to shoot for three hours at a time. Right. All right? These cameras, they're meant... You, you can shoot a movie with these things. My camera has a fan on it. Yeah. You can shoot a movie with these things. But they, you're shooting, you know, five minutes at a time, 30 seconds at a time. They're not built to be shooting for three hours. You know what are? Camcorders. Black magic ones are as well. So that to me is the big issue is about cooling. And I'm just getting tired of having to connect a fan to all my cameras. But they look great and they work great. Uh, it's just, you know, when I'm, if we move into a new studio, I may look for another option. So that's, that's my ra uh, rationale behind that. Okay. Thanks for writing that in Pablo. Next up, Nathan Carlson writes, Hey, John and co just found your show and love it. Thank you so much, Nathan. Uh, in the age of superhero movies, do you think we'll ever see a mystery men revisited? One can hope. Listen, when the question comes up of if you had, could have any movie that never had a sequel that they'd make a sequel for, what would it be? My answer has always been Mystery Men. Always. Mystery Men 2, The Return of Captain Amazing. That movie takes all my money. You know, it all was just it. before its time. If that it movie was. had come out a decade later, you might have really had something. Yeah, I, I listen, it it is. When you go back and watch it now, Rob, it is completely ahead of its time. It, we it, just hadn't had the super. We didn't have the MCU. It we wasn't didn't have popular the, content yet. Nope. But I'm telling you, go back and watch Mystery Men. That movie is Ben Stiller, Greg Kinnear. Uh, Greg Kinnear is Captain Amazing. Casanova Frankenstein, one of the great villainous names of all time. Jeannie Garofalo, uh, Hank Azaria, William H. Macy, Pee Wee Herman. I mean, what a cast. It is so good. But no, they're never going to do another one. It breaks my heart, but if I could pick any one that they would do, it would be that one. All right, next up. Amin writes, percentage chance we see slash hear about each of the characters in the Obi-Wan show, Qui-Gon, Ahsoka, Yoda, the Emperor, call uh, Fallen Order. Uh, zero from Fallen Order. Qui-Gon, I think there's a 50% chance of that. Ahsoka, zero. Yoda, 50% because I think we're going to see, uh, I think we will see some stuff there. Uh, the Emperor... No, I think Vader, but not obviously Vader, but you I don't think, think we'll you see think the Emperor. Kenobi will go to Dagobah? What's that? Do you think Kenobi will go to Dagobah? No. I think that's a great idea, but I don't think they will. What Out of all those characters they mentioned, which one do you think has the biggest chance? Yoda. More than Qui-Gon. Yeah. A mention or C? C. Yoda. See, I still think it's Qui-Gon because at the end of Revenge of the Sith, like... He says, you're going to go off and training I have for you because I've been in communication from beyond with your former master, Qui-Gon. Could be, okay. I so, mean, and that to me leads me to think Qui-Gon is the most likely. And how about head. both together? Uh, no. Force ghost. Yoda's still alive. 
I know, but maybe to get you'll see Force Ghost, Qui Gon, and Yoda, and Obi Wan. Well, I mean, in the cartoons, Yoda was able to project himself to talk to other characters across the galaxy. I don't know. I still think Qui Gon. I still don't think we're going to see Yoda, but who knows? It would be kind of cool to see. All right, next up, uh, Daki Woods writes: When the mom, the mom. Oh, I see. When the mom in Seeing Red transformed, my inner uh, dye beard kicked in and said, oh my God, we've got a freaking kaiju up in this shit. Yeah, and unfortunately, we can't talk about what scene you're talking about because I don't want to give anything away. But yes, a complete kaiju moment, dude. Absolutely. Uh, Anime 38 writes, one of two. Uh, Toby and Andrew are going to be in No Way Home. Um, oh, uh, sorry, one of two. Us. Toby and Andrew are going to be in No Way Home. Uh, can't be it. That only works in SNL and YouTube uh, video shit. Wrong. Us. Daredevil and Kingpin are going to be... Um, and he never got the second part in there. He just accidentally put in the first part of there. Yeah, listen. There was, listen, there was a time, and I've talked about this many times, there was a time when I thought there's no way you could do that. There's no way you can bring in... Uh, Andrew Garfield thing that is that is that is bullshit YouTube stuff but they found a narrative way to make it work and it wasn't until like a year before the movie came out that I started to say you know what now I can see it happening like with all the reports that we're hearing about going on yeah I I believe this can happen but it, it took up to just a year before the movie came out that I started to see things that way because for the longest time for me it just seemed like a ridiculous notion but they found a way to make it work as far as Kingpin and uh Daredevil goes about they can't come in. Well, I said that because that's what the facts at the time supported. The facts at the time when I said that were that Netflix owned those iterations and Disney cannot use them, period. And they're like, no, Disney's going to do it anyway. It's like, no, they can't because the facts at that time were Netflix owned them. It wasn't a lease. It wasn't a temporary thing that was going to run out. They own that iteration of those characters, period. Now, facts changed when Netflix opted to sell them and when Disney made them an offer they couldn't refuse to acquire. Now, once that happened, that changed the narrative and that changed the story. If you are an intelligent human being, you change your viewpoint if the facts change or new information comes to light. Or something else happens. Or something, but again, something else happens. That's when new information comes to light. So yeah, for the longest time I said, they cannot bring those iterations over because at the time that was 100% fact. Well, dude, we used, changed. To, we used to say that there's no way that there was ever going to be a Snyder cut of of uh, of Justice League. But when HBO Max was announced. Yeah, that's when we uh, changed that, our and minds. That, and I, uh, for me, back in November of what, 2019, I said on my own show, I said, you know what? I used to think this was never going to happen. But if it is going to happen ever now you've got somebody who will pay for it yeah well that was the key thing like when hbo max took over that's when you and i started to say okay now you can do it and now it could be done i thought they would just take it as it was and not finish it and just put it on up on hbo max but hbo decided to spend 70 million dollars yeah. which got the chairman and that fired. was also something we were saying that it would yeah. cost i said it was going to cost a hundred million dollars and i was like you're right you know what you're talking about i'm like no i do oh no because everybody's telling us no it was completely finished Right. And we kept telling people, no, it is not. It's not. There's all the, this just got this footage that he's edited footage together, but there is not a ready to be released finished no. version of this film. And everybody kept saying, yes, there is. Yes, there is. And it's like, no, there's not. And there wasn't. 
But it wasn't until, but once HBO Max came into being, because it wasn't ever going to happen. There no. was never going to be a Snyder never. Cut release, ever. But then HBO Max came into existence. Well, what and then it was like, well, okay, now there's an avenue that they could well, do it with. But the thing is, what people have to understand, it's, it's not even just someone to pay for something. There has to be a revenue stream. Once you pay for it, how are you going to get your money back? Well, HBO Max and their new subscription service, like anything else, they need to feed that monster. And that was a great thing that was good all the way around. And now I'm very happy to have my 4K Steelbook. Still Zach lost Snyder's them a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> it still lost. Got got the chairman of Warner Media fired for greenlighting it. But uh, it is. But, it, but hey, they, they okay. did make it. I'm they, happy to have it. They did make a better version of Justice League. And ended I'm up getting with a, a nightmare version. flash out of it. All right. Uh, next up, uh, where are we at here? Uh, Adam Mooney writes one of two. Hey, John. This is my third time reaching out, and again, it's to thank you for encouraging people to create their own YouTube channels. Not for the money, but for the fun, and to enhance fandom. Uh, my recreation, or my reaction channel, Fan Pops, is not only monetized now, but the engagement is on another level, and I can't tell you how much it has enhanced my wife, enhanced my wife, really? Oh, enhanced my wife and eyes viewing. I see what that was saying. How has it enhanced your wife? I would say it that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it has keep reading john it has enhanced my wife and eyes um uh my my hands and I, my viewing experience brown fielding yeah well first of all good for you for starting your own youtube i keep telling all i think all movie fans should create a blog a podcast or a youtube channel not to make it their job or to make money off it but to enhance your own engagement with the object of our fandom and it gives you an opportunity to give back to the fandom as well and to add your voice to the conversation. I think everybody should do it. I think it's an incredibly fun thing to do. I think it's good for the overall fan community. And I'm glad you're doing it there, Adam. So good on you for that. All right. And our last two questions. This one comes from Alf2024 writes, and since it's like a $20 super chat, thank you, Alf, who writes, hey, John and crew, two things. Rob, I saw someone post a GIF of you on a Discord server I'm on, but he didn't know who you were. <laughs> Second, John, do you think turning red is appropriate for kids? Oh, it's absolutely appropriate for kids. This, look, there's this bullshit narrative being passed around there. Well, turning red is for kids. Why? Because the, the, the little girl disobeys her parents. Have you watched any fucking Disney movie ever in your life? Have you watched any fucking Disney movie ever in your life? I would say to these people. Did you watch Little Mermaid? Did you watch Beauty and the Beast? Did How you, about Peter Pan? Did you watch Peter Pan? <laughs> These movies are riddled with young people or children who disobey their parents. And guess what? That's real life. Yes, 100% yes, Turning Red is absolutely appropriate for kids. Absolutely, 100%. I, although, I got to say, Alf, I know I'm dying to see whatever this gift is. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I what, I, I this. what, you know, at least I'm gifable. At least you're gifable. All right. You got to be gifable, John. Uh, let's see. And final one up is Tim Platter writes, you can't uh, spell Tom Brady without Toby. Huh? From the office. Look at his hashtag. God, no, oh, God, God, please, please no, God. I get it. Thank you, Ray. 
I'm glad Ray caught that. I didn't. I was like, without to Toby Maguire? What? Uh, Toby from The Office. Oh, I, yes. I take it he's not a Tom Brady fan. Probably right not a Tom Brady fan, but to all tremble, all ye in the NFL. The GOAT has returned. Tom Brady is back. They're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I get another season of watching Tom Brady throw touchdown passes. Anyway, guys, that'll do it. For today's installment of the John Campy Show, thank you so much for being here and making this show a part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent down those Super Chats. Number one, because it gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. I want to thank the guy sitting right over here, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, where can people find you online? You can find me this afternoon on mailbag on this channel and you can also find me on uh twitter on burnett rm or instagram at robert rm burnett <laughs> my own youtube channel the burnett work if i ever get it back working again and uh right beside him he's been with you guys in the live chat all day mr ray aura ray we can people find you oh matt ray aura with a zero or ray zero r a <laughs> <laughs> but you can find me at the honda service department getting his car fixed yeah him and chris man him and chris and uh, you guys can simply follow me on instagram or on twitter simply at john campia that'll do it for us for now guys thanks a lot for being here my name's john campia and until next time my friends bye bye